2: Not much, man. We got a lot to get into today. Glad to be here. As uh, every week, doing the best podcast uh, going today. So, um, yeah, you know, I was listening to, um, we we got a big NXT topic uh, today. And I was listening to a show that is out of our archives. I tweeted it out on the timeline today where we basically call everything that happens with NXT going to USA and down to just of course they're gonna lose in the ratings and everything. It was it was prophecy, quite frankly. Y'all should go check check that out. Always remember your boys are always ahead. <laughs>
1: Alright. Well I guess we'll get to we'll talk about that when we come back to it. But I guess um I guess we start with a personal thing for me. Um Bobby Bowden, the patriarch of Florida State football passed away um over the weekend. Um he had been He had been announced that he was terminal about a week or two ago, so it was just a waiting game. Um, And I don't know where to even start. Like, Florida State football is the uh, program or sports team that I have loved more than anything else in my life, and I owe that to him. Um, I. It was it was such a uh, great moment and part of my life and still is to this day of just being able to tune in on Saturday and watch uh, watch them and, you know, and for most of my childhood like they were just at the top of pro not pro but <laughs> semi pro if you will they're on the top of college football world um, there was a time where you know up and I had to learn that like this wasn't. Uh, a birthright that you're going to just win 10 or 11 games every single year. And then like, if you lose, you know, if you don't win a national championship game, you don't play a national championship game, you lost to the eventual national fucking champion. Um, and that was a spoiled life. And, uh, the time from about 2003 until 2013 is when I, I, relearned how to recalibrate it. Like, that's not just a guarantee. And like 2013 is a, is a season. I just hold dearly that like the program got back, got back on top. Um, and was dominant from, quite frankly, from 2012 to 2014. So um, I have a, I've recalibrated, adjusted my my life uh, to it being at normal standard of. It's a very good team that will eventually continue, uh, compete um, for national championships games. But the time where it's like, there was a time in Florida State like where my entire life, like literally from 1987 to 2000. Season like they finished every poll in AP ranked in the top four or better. Um, uh, so like there were times in my childhood where like they lose one game and it would just blow my whole month. I'd just be just like devastated. I can't believe we fucking lost. I can't believe the se- the season was literally over if they lost to like Miami or Florida State or blew blew some bullshit game to Clemson or or you know stuff like that. Um, or you know, some some uh out of conference game to whoever. So like it, that was a big deal in my life, and I, I think of how spoiled that was. And thinking, looking back at it, is like my my brother Daniel. He is um he was born in February of ninety seven. So the month before uh, he was born, you have Florida, Florida State in the Sugar Bowl for the for ninety six national championship game. They get, Florida State gets their, blow, their doors blown out by Florida after uh, they beat Florida in the uh, regular season game. But that's one that's one de facto national championship game, right? 97, I forgot where we ended up finishing, but 98, they're in the national championship game uh, against, in the Fiesta Bowl against Tennessee. And they end up losing by one touchdown in a game where Chris Winkie didn't play because he ended up, I think he had broken ribs. I forget, yeah, something like that. And then 99, they go wire to wire and they win the national championship game. Like they're preseason number one, they go undefeated, they win the, the Sugar Bowl against uh Virginia Tech by blowing the, the doors off them. And it's it's uh Bobby Bowden and Peter Warwick holding the crystal ball up on stage, and just like that was it, that was Peter Warwick's last run uh uh with uh Florida State. And then 2000, they go to national championship game, and um. And they end up losing like in the you know both teams scored less than single digits against Oklahoma. Like that was my life. That was my that was my you know up until like pre basically like my late childhood up to preteen age. Like like that was my team. And then you know then you have the the losing four five games in four years to Miami and. um things changing in the college football landscape to where Florida State's run of success was unsustainable unless they changed, and they changed late to it, but they eventually they changed. But um, just what he built was just, like, something that stands stands the test of time because it's never going to be fucking done again. 14 AP top four finishes will never happen. Like, the closest you have besides Florida State in that run is seven. Like, Clemson on his current run is at Six.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: you think dad was going to go finish in the top four eight more times straight
2: it it seems very hard to do
1: yeah um like the best that the ever never did was uh four years like that's how hard it is and this is saving has one what how many national championship games six seven
2: yeah at alabama like has yeah, been dominant essentially since like oh nine it feels like
1: yeah oh nine champions uh, lost in 2010 2011 2012 champions that's three right there um won the 05 championship or the 15 championship lost 16 to clemson 117 lost 18 to clemson 19 uh lsu won and then 20 they won so yeah they've won six titles wow. in that run they never they didn't they weren't that sustained like and they finished seventh in the AP poll a bunch of times or worse. So um like there was a thing where like they were the lovable losers or they were just like they were always contained, they would always be great, and then they eventually they would lose on a field goal a bad left miss field goal to Miami and then Miami going to win the national Championship game. And then 93 they broke through and won. 99 they won, they they ran it ran through and won. But that consistent run of like they were always in the hunt. I don't think that that's never gonna be like uh recaptured or re re uh, produced in like the way they got to it, like the set of the set of circumstances for that to happen was just like, like okay. talk about
2: the beginning like of like the school's origins.
1: Oh, okay, well we're gonna talk okay, so let's talk about where Florida State is right now and then I'll then I'll double back to explain why what made it so special. Mm -hmm. in this era of want to in fandom in boosters, in big money, in um, the fraud of amateurism uh, the Florida State is far behind a team like schools like Clemson in the South, let's say the South particular, right? Clemson Georgia, Alabama um, LSU Florida uh, roughly Florida, Florida, still ahead um, the reason why is because Florida state was a school that was originally a all women's college. So you look at generational donors. They don't have that donor base because of sexism in the patriarchy. They don't have the, they don't have that, contrib- that contributing base until I believe the sixties when they started uh, having men. Um, so from that perspective, you start from there. You started from respect. Then you start from the perspective of, he took the job in 76 in 1980. I've looked this up before in the eighties, Florida had the same population as Michigan, the state of Michigan. Then there was a obvious boom in the population that helped contribute to just more players, more population. You're going to, it's going to be a breeding ground for more players in theory, right? Then you throw in the part where he was one of the first head coaches from the south that didn't give a damn about what the p- color of the players look like like he's one of the first to say oh, i'm at southern school hmm fam you grambling southern uh and or um a and t carolina and t all these southern schools they have all these uh all of these uh standout players that go to the nfl end up making the hall of fame hey uh let me get some of these players to come to our campus. Like they're already coming to Tallahassee, they're already going to FAMU out of Florida. How about they just come literally less was I think it's like um less than a mile is the campus difference from from FAM to Florida State. And that and that changed things. Um and you know and a lot of what Stellenberg and Miami got built up is the same is, is there's a lot of parallel stuff to what Biden did at Florida State except it was a harder job because like Miami is an untapped resource. People have no idea what's going on in South Florida, but Bobby has to do the same exact thing, except he's further away, and then he has to rely on getting country boys from South Georgia and South Alabama and from the Panhandle to come in. So, <coughs> so that build is just like it's just very impressive. And Miami, once it got built up, it, it didn't matter who the damn coach was, whether it was Snellenberger, whether it was Dickinson, whether it was Jimmy Johnson. The players, the players are right up the street, or right up the interstate, or whatever, a couple miles from campus, and you just get them. Whereas, whereas uh, Jimbo Fisher over the years and, and Bobby, they had to get their asses to go to all around and hover and hover around and get talent. Like Tallahassee is not some uh, football haven, right? Like it's not South Florida, it's not Atlanta, it's not Louisiana or New Orleans, it's not uh, Houston. So. Uh, to venture out to go into go into Valdosta and below and go get uh you know players uh over the years out of Georgia like that's the thing that doesn't even happen in four state anymore like Georgia has shut that down they're all going to they're all going to uh <laughs> Georgia and uh Alabama um and like even even um when this up and running like the, his idea of like being able to re- recruit nationally because of the brand of the nineties and how big they were like to be able to go into Louisiana and go get a work done who became like. Quite honestly, maybe the greatest man that this that uh, that 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 program ever produced. Um, it's just a person to help change lives with you know what he did once he's in the NFL is like being a dude to get big contracts and you know amass ten thousand career uh, yards uh, as a rusher in the NFL, and then like from day one, like once we once he made some money in the NFL as a first round draft pick to be able to like because of his his tragic uh, his tragic. Uh, um upbringing where like his mom was a police officer got killed on on duty and then like he then like pays a down payment of homes for like single mothers like every single uh holiday season like that was the thing he did from day one uh once he became a he got drafted by the bucks so like to have to reach out to do that to go into junior college and go get a walter jones to be able to like Uh, go across the country and go get a Chris Ricks, even though it didn't turn out that well, but like at that time he was like the top quarterback in the country Um, to go get a uh, Lorenzo Booker out of St. Bonaventure's in, in in California. Like that became a national brand at at that point in time, like in the nineties, like once Miami got on probation, like that was a school to go to. And everybody talks about the spear on the helmet and the tradition and, you know, White guys in, in 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 red face throwing, uh, dressing up as Chief Osceola, and, and on a you know, and coming down to throwing the spear and, and intimidation, and speed of Florida, and like his innovations of, like just being for his time a very uh, aggressive coach, like the amount of trick plays he ran in the eighties to 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 win games, like there, I mean, the punt ruski, all that kind of stuff, in like on defense, like because. Yeah. Just being able to say, hey, um, we're focused on speed, like power and size is cool. Speed, 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 speed. speed. Be the first to the ball. Um, like the aggressiveness of like saying, hey, we had a Deion Sanders guy. He's really good. Hey, Terrell Buckley, you want to be next Deion Sanders? Hey, you're going to opportunity. You're going to come out here. You're going to play man coverage almost every fucking possession we're not even with no with one single safety help, like playing robber one, like almost 90% of your uh plays in the nineties. Like that was a huge advantage to get people to say, Hey, we are cool. We are daring. And, um, and to have him be that big, like the face of that program and be just like gregarious personality, this Southern charmer. Like, um, I'm sure you've heard Bomani Jones talk about this. Like there are a few people, celebrities that like you meet them. And for most people you meet them and like, you become, when they're with you, you become like the sole focus of their attention because their intent is for you to feel good about meeting them, and they take pride in that. Like he talks about that with Rick, he's talked about Rick Flair, he's talked about with Charles Barkley. Bobby balance was absolutely one of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, just from the speaking engagements, like and when people talk about him, and from a from a personal met this person standpoint everybody or standpoint everybody talked about how nice it was to meet him and how how they had a smile on their face how charming he was and he absolutely was that. like there are so many uh you know people talk about yogi bear and talk about Yogi-isms. bobby had plenty of them <laughs> like when the uh, so in terms of Bobby, there was also in the nineties, there was the Florida robbery. So there's also Spurrier. So like just the, just at that time growing up, like seeing coaches trade, trade bars back and forth and not like say anything to where, like it was the, it was just like, it's going to start a fight when they get on the, when they get, when the teams both get on the field, but just like coaches throwing bars back and forth in a, in a well, in a fun meaning sense, like that doesn't happen anymore. like, spurrier spurrier talking about free shoes university and then bobby saying like hey man like i'm just trying to look i'm trying to find where our players get discounts i'm trying to get this out too like that doesn't happen anymore you you, that that kind of jokey joke like these things have become too professionalized to where that could could even exist anymore to get those kind of quotes so um that also goes back to like the the personalities of the coaches and he was one of those at the forefront of that time to where like that doesn't exist that much anymore um like, who would you be say was, like, the biggest outspoken personality amongst the coaching scene in college football right now, Rich? Who are you say?
2: I've got two people in mind. Uh, fucking Orgeron. And, yes,
1: okay. Fair and, enough.
2: And fucking Mike Leach.
1: Yes, yes, yes. But, like, you That's think of Leach. Kind of- Leach has never even gotten a job to even be, you know. Like, we know Leach from when he was, like, an assistant, a crazy assistant coach, offensive of genius, at these small schools where he can have success at limited because he's, you know, because of what he's done and implemented into his system. But, like, they're never going to let him get some, some, uh, I don't know, a Texas or a some big job like that. Like, nah. Um, but Orgeron, absolutely. Orgeron's absolutely like, and think of how much fun we had Orgeron two, uh, two years ago.
2: Yeah, just because just he's country. Right, like right
1: country with the accent, we barely understand what the hell he's saying, but, like, but the players love him to death, Um, like, back in our day, like, back in our day, back when we were kids, like, we had, like, Phil Fulmer, we had uh Spurrier, we we had Bobby Bowden, and we, we just had a slew of coaches, and then, like, with the SEC, with, like, Gene Stallings getting the in and out, winning a national championship at Alabama, and then getting thrown the fuck out, like, three years later, like, we had, we had a bunch of that, but that doesn't really, you know, exist anymore. Like, I mean, Saban, Saban is just straight laced. Like he gets fired up at times or whatever else about whatever little, in, little small injustice he believes happened that day. And he gets pissed off and he moves on, but that's it. Like, that's not really much of a personality they, oh, he's, he's angry. Like, okay. Um, like we, we have fun with devil when he loses. Yeah, that's true. Because he talks a lot of cash. He's taught a lot of cash. And that's a lot holier than now. Um, and then the most, a lot of it is at the expense of like, what would be the betterment of his players like, I remember a few years ago, and he's like, if the, you know, the entitlement is going on. If, if, if they're going to start playing players, and, you know, I thought i had something else to do. Well, they're what paying players now, and I see you still collecting that, like, $8 million you're making. So shut the fuck up. Take, have, a coke and, have a coke and a smile. And shut the fuck up. Um, but yeah, man, I'm just, I'm just going to miss him. And, like, the amount of people he put in the league, I mean, I can't, I can't even go without saying, like, he's put Hall of Famers in the league, multiple time Pro Bowlers in the league, first round draft picks in the league, all of that. Like, I remember, um, there was this graphic about the amount of people Alabama put into the league from, like, the last, like, five years or four years, whatever else. And then, like, I started looking around, like, I know Florida States had a run like that. And then you look at it, and it's, like, the exact same thing. You put in, like, 22, like, first or second round picks in, like, a three- or four-year span. Like, that run was crazy. And, like, just to go back to that run that I was talking about, that, like, that 96 through 99 run, like, Randy Moss was supposed to be on those teams. <laughs> but he got kicked off because he was on probation for any uh test spots for weed like so like just think about it like imagine like hey man um offense in 1990 let's say 1996 you can trot out work done (laughs) danny cannell who actually played in the league uh backup is uh no not winky's not there yet starting quarterbacks danny cannell who all-conference all quarterback, played in the NFL for a number of years. Work The mass 10,000 yards rushing in the NFL. Lavernius Coles, pro bowler in the NFL. Peter work number four overall pick in, in the uh, in the NFL draft. Randy Moss. <laughs> and Walter Jones. I well, think Walter Jones well, might have gotten Andy, uh,
2: Like a man with a, an award named after him. Like-
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, Randy Moss, that's right. He is the uh, the punt return guy. Yeah, that's right. Uh so like that is the kind of talent that was walking through Tallahassee at that time at the peak of when this thing was up and running. And like that was that was uh like great memories of uh of my family and me. Like w- when I had um my cousin Twan who went there in ninety five, of just like following through all that, and that was just a great like ninety nine was her senior year. And, you know, it's be like it just be funny to hear like Alex, um, or her her sis, her brother Alex and and like when they would lose a game on campus like how down it would be for like because the season was done because they were like oh well national championship game is kind of out of the question now maybe we might be able to sneak back in there but we'll see how that goes like they used to be a thing where it's just, like they were that good for that long and that's state excellence but like it's just um the run to get there where it's just like in the eight, 70s, seventies eighties were building up and like we'll play. Anyone, anywhere, anytime, you can't do that no more. Con- conference schedules and all that kind of stuff, nobody wants to play non conference unless you're um Alabama or you're in the uh Big Ten. Like going to play uh Nebraska in Nebraska like four times, to- like three or four times in the 80s, all road games, you never get a home game go play LSU, like, three straight years, all the, all in Baton Rouge, no home game, go to Notre Dame, no home game multiple times, that, that's never going to happen no more. Um, but, yeah, like, what he built was, he built, you know, Miami and Florida State, like, the last two powerhouse programs of the last 30 years, like, there might not be anything else that comes to that. Like, if you want to say Clemson, sure, but Clemson had won a national championship game in, like, 80 or 81, but, like, build a football powerhouse basically and got it out in the mud I don't think it's ever going to happen again especially with the consolidation that we're having with uh these conferences like it's going to be oh, real oh, hard to do labels. yeah it's going to be real hard to do but um I think I'd be to say, say to say like, if I didn't say to like the end uh at the end I was I didn't want him to ever leave the program or be forced out that ultimately ended up happening um I, I figured it. I, I thought that if it's something he built from him himself, that he should be able to walk away whenever he wanted to. Um, they decided otherwise he, he says that he wanted to stick around one more year to get it right before leaving. I don't necessarily believe that now in retrospect, but um, that's what he was saying at the time. Um, they changed over at the right time. in um, like the end of his life, he was, I, and quite frankly, a lot of it was like I thought that like this going be a situation where he was so dedicated for so long that this would be a situation where like he leaves and he dies soon. Like it's one of those things where like I lost my reason to live. And um, luckily, it didn't happen. Like his last season, two thousand nine. This is two thousand or this is two thousand twenty season so just ended. And, he, and, he, and now he's passed. Um, he was around a he's. At first, he wasn't around often, but then eventually he would come around with Jimbo. It was the thing of like I, I, I don't want to be over there to overshadow him, which I do appreciate and all that kind of stuff. But, um, he's he's he has a statue out front, like you know, like it's it's um it's Don Campbell Stadium and the field is called Bobby Bowden Field. Um, I uh I don't know how to get to this, but you know, um his politics have been um mentioned like towards the end, like in, especially last winter when he, you know, talked about his, uh, his support for Trump. Um, and quite frankly, like that doesn't surprise me. Um, if I had told you a dude that was born in 1929 or 1930 from Birmingham, Alabama, that went to the university of Alabama as a quarterback and running back transferred to, uh, Howard college is now Sanford college. Like if I told you that, what would you think? and became a head football coach for for college football. Like, yeah, I I think he would have been a Republican. Um, I I don't know what to do with that. Um, his players loved him and that's what, that's all I can really do about that. But it does say something that at this time, what was going on? Like, you know, I don't know if he didn't talk to his players or what, but, or whatever he felt, but he was a, he was a, uh, a devout Baptist man. Um, I don't know, man. I don't know what to, sp- I don't know what to sp- speak on that, but, like, it was something that needs to be taught about how, he, at the end, like, he let it be known, like, he was MAGA. So, that, that part sucked, but, like, I'm yeah. not gonna let all of, I'm not gonna let that part, like, ruin, like, what he, what I loved and what he brought, uh, what he gave to me for, uh, most of my life. So, that's kind of where I, I leave off on it. Right. Um, and, you know, we, we always talked about it on this
2: show, like, Life's about trades a lot of the time. It's like sometimes you got to trade something off for either your happiness, your sanity, your whatever. Because it's like it's really hard to live a life where you have a hard line on everything. People are human. So, like, you know, I'm a huge Chris Jericho fan. Right. He's obviously been in the news the last, like, year and a half. Every time I see it, I'm like, fuck. Like, (laughs) like, but at the end of the day, I'm like, it's Chris fucking Jericho. Like, I I don't know what to do with it. And, I, and I'm shocked. And I'm like, you look at his life and you feel like it doesn't make sense. And then you're like, maybe it's not for me to understand. Like, I, yeah. and, you know, life's about tres. You know, he may, like, have, um, you know, he may have something to where we'll take it from him. <laughs>
1: but not everybody else <laughs> yeah and and one thing is like my entire life like think about it he died he 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 died uh yesterday right yeah he died yesterday at 91 years old so that means like as long as i've known him he's been an old man he's like in the 90s he was in his 60s right like, when people were talking about, um, when there were talks about him possibly becoming an NFL coach, because people actually did that, or whatever else he decided not to, that was in the 80s. Like, he's older than Joe Gibbs by, like, a decade. <laughs> I'm, I'm supposed to, like, I'm supposed to, like, hold it up against an old, an old white guy from Alabama, like, that, of, of, you know, like, maybe I should, maybe I'm being naive on that, maybe I should say, like, hey, like, you were encountering all these black people in your lives, no one ever really was able to, like, explain to you, like, how this is, but it's like, what's the point? I know what it is. Like mm-hmm. this happens for tons of uh, of head football coaches that are most of them are uh, conservative, white guys. Yeah. Um. So like, if you want to get into that part of it, we can do it. But like, I don't have that much of it to go on with his political views, other than like he's a Christian conservative. I knew that. I knew that. I've known that for I'm what I, I turned thirty four this year. I've known that my whole entire life. Hmm. Like you live here, <clears throat> you live in the South, you live here, like they are gonna be trade-offs what you do with to interact with any white people any white people, period. Like and that's that's um that's a trade-off you made with a lot of people to like uh to be able to, you know, enjoy anything, right? Like there's no such thing as conflict free any version of entertainment. Um I, I know it sounds like a cop out, but it's like I understand that part. I can compartmentalize it and say that like, hey, like that part was a cool. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the football though. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess uh I, where do we go from there? I guess it's time to talk about football stuff or uh not football stuff. This isn't a football podcast, my bad. <laughs> but talk about um other parts of the sports world. Yeah. The Olympics wrapped up. So yes. as the Olympics wrapped up, that means one thing. There was in or international basketball that was had before this was all said and done. Now, while we left left or last left this off, I believe we were, we had lost to France, right? In yeah, group play. We lost,
2: we lost the opener in group play.
1: Yeah. Um, so, we have since won the gold medal. Yes. So you watched this. I did not. What were your thoughts on this Man. This particular Olympic run? This was
2: so up and down. I'm very <laughs> happy for, for this team because they seemed to be embarrassed by that first game. And they were like, this can go one of two ways. We can be 2004 or worse, or we can still do everything we came to do. And from that game on, they just started defending. They started, like, hitting threes. They started jiggering with the lineup a little bit. And Durant just became, like, you know, who the fuck he said he was or who who everyone thinks he is.
1: Kevin Durant was Kevin Durant? Correct.
2: And okay. And it's, like, he's our all-time leading Olympic scorer now for men. He's the greatest U.S. Olympian ever, like, for basketball at this point. Three gold medals. Um
1: third, Do you want to like, expand that out to the women's side, too, or just men's? Just men's.
2: Okay. Like, okay. Cause I'll, I'll say just men's just because – um, Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird just won their fifth gold medal um <laughs> the other
1: day. I saw that, <laughs> and the best part about it was how they said how much they loved it. And keep in mind, like these are these are uh, freaking college teammates, right? Yeah. And then they hugged at the end of it, and then and the Taurasi looked in the camera, pointed, and said, "See you in Paris." <laughs> so, <laughs> so like they're. Tarasi is think it's thirty nine, so that'd be three years from now. They, they could realistically I, do that. I, they could go I, for six.
2: I think. I think she could. Sue said she was done.
1: Oh, okay, I didn't know yeah. that. Sue That's said sad.
2: This is her last Olympics. That's so, sad. um But as far as Team USA, they started defending. They took. They they really like went the fucking hard way for this one. So like <clears throat> they lost that first game to France, right? So they had to beat Iran and then the Czech Republic to even qualify for group play. And then the group play matchup. Oh, first round. Oh, who do we have to uh, face fucking Spain? <laughs> so um, we were able to beat them. And then um who do we have waiting for us? Patty Mills in Australia. So you already know what that was. Um They beat us too in the exhibitions. And then we came back and just, you know, beat them. And then in, the now people want to talk about redemption angles and arcs and shit, that's what this was all in one because France was waiting for us in the last game and it was like it couldn't do nothing with us, like it's, yeah. it's just, it just came down to it. And they weren't lights out, uh, or there was no one going lights out like last game, like uh, no Fournier going you know, torching us or anything like that. And it was just these guys having a whole lot of fucking pride and hearing what people were saying about them. And I'm glad that they got to shove it up a lot of people's ass that weren't rooting for them in good faith and criticizing like I was, but the people that were desperate and wanting them to lose for, you know, their because own because their black lives matter <laughs> yeah, for their own selfish reasons. Like, that's why I'm like, yo, that's why I root for Team USA basketball so hard every time like men's and women's. And like, I was sad to see our soccer team lose um, you know, they, they uh the women's soccer team uh lost to I forgot who they lost to, mm-hmm. but um they were silver. I saw some fucking shot from Rapino at uh like a highlight today. I don't know how the fuck like this happened. So she made a goal off of a corner kick and the ball like looped in an angle like over the goalie. I was like, I've never seen no shit like this in my <laughs> life. So um, yeah. But yeah, I, I'm very happy for for Team USA. I said a lot. I was very like worried about them. Me and Jan talk about uh, like about two years out from every Olympics, we're like, <laughs> all right, like who's the who's the lineup that that we're gonna gonna send out there uh, next time, and you know stuff like that. And like you know, Duran is right in a sense. Like they they say you know the world is caught up. Everyone always says that. It's like they really haven't. Like it's just like do our, do our guys like want to. Like, do we want to keep sending our best? Right. And uh, I don't know if Durant's going to play again. This may be his last Olympics, but um, he definitely, throughout this decade, like he's owned Team USA Basketball from 2010 in Turkey. Um, You know, the first time he showed up and he was fucking killing people and we're yep. like, this man's built for international ball, uh, yep. the, the 2012. And he
1: used that to spring forward into, into the next season too, right. NBA season that year. And, I remember that. It,
2: and in twenty like his uh three he had thirty points in a gold medal game in 2012 30 in two thousand sixteen, and twenty nine in um, you know, this past one. And it's like whenever we've needed him internationally, like this last decade has been Durant has owned this fucking like thing, essentially. Like LeBron was there in twenty twelve, like Durant was right there with him, like scoring tons of points. And he essentially, like, seceded Mello, who, like, in an international play is a fucking dog. Like, I don't know why. I don't know why it, like, favors him the uh, the way it does. But everybody knows Olympic Mello is, like, you know, another fucking that's – that's another guy. But, um, yeah, very proud of this team, Uh, very proud of them representing the country and not embarrassing us themselves. Uh, Greg Popovich, you know – Took a lot of shit in the beginning, and you know, some of it was earned. However, um, they they got the gold, and that's that's all we can ask for. And like, it, it took it took a it took a real team effort defensively, and I'm proud that they like they they committed to it and said, "Fuck it, we ain't come over here to lose." Because they could have like tucked their tails, like yeah. and just just been like, you know what, fuck this. Why are we here?
1: Yeah, equally. Yeah, and um, you know, there's also some reports that there was there was a little bit of Dame time in in Tokyo in the gold medal game. So, uh, got to mention that there was some there was some glimpses of of Dame time. Um, yeah, uh, I going to say what was I going to say? Oh yeah, I know what I was going to say. So, do you think the outcome is different if France, by the skin of their teeth, don't just just eke out Slovenia before the gold medal game? No, I think we beat Slovenia too.
2: Okay, like,
1: I'm do you sorry. think it sucks like, that Luca ended up with no gold, with no medal oh, after
2: right. all that, that shit he did? It's it's kind of funny. Like, I, like Luca was awesome. Of course, I wouldn't know because like they didn't let us watch any of his <laughs> fucking games. But um, you just see his box scores, and right. Some of the highlight clips. Like, he was awesome. That man got a free flight over to Tokyo and back. You know, so that that was it. You know, um, that's fucked up. <laughs> like and and i'm happy durant was able to do it because like what i'm hearing and what i'm seeing especially like people like nick Wright, like i feel like people were wanting the usa to lose so they could like certain certain segments so they could blame it on durant and use this as a way to like Make him seem worse compared to LeBron and say we needed LeBron in the Olympics. Like, all y'all that were doing that sucker shit, y'all are hoes. Um, when it comes to Team USA Basketball, you have to drop your narratives, your fucking, uh, your club affiliation, your team affiliations. It's like, yo, you're playing for each other and the fucking, like, dominance of the globe like none of that other shit matters
1: yeah and the thing for me is just like if y'all want to do that then like i'm sorry but like durant won the fucking gold medal in 2006 that's already over with shut the fuck up
2: yeah yeah so um yeah but um france got a silver um people were talking this is the first time uh, australia ever got a medal they got a bronze and you know patty mills was awesome they dropped the all tournament team uh, I believe I saw, and I'm going to pull that up, uh, real fast here, but of course it was led by Kevin Durant. Um, and then, uh, Rudy Gobert was your starter in center. Um, Ricky Rubio, Luca and Patty Mills.
1: Huh? Patty Mills. Um, yeah quite unstoppable international play like yeah just wait just wait till the finals
2: <laughs> it's just gonna be i, I they're gonna they're gonna put a boomers jersey on underneath him
1: i, I can tell now maybe look actually you don't even need that because he's gonna whatever he's gonna be wearing he's gonna be wearing white and black so it's so gonna be like he wearing a spurs to, to, to jersey spur, yeah. yeah yeah so like look man it's the finals it's against. It's gonna be presumably against LeBron James. I already know how. I've seen this move before. He could have became a Laker. That man said, "Hey, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I'm, good. I'm good. I, I know. I know what I'm here for. I'm here. I'm here to make LeBron James' life hell, three points at a time." <laughs> oh man, do nope. we need to talk about that? About the two labels sing? Sure. Oh man the lakers. And we haven't talked about the Westbrook trade, have we? We haven't. We haven't. Yeah, so Russell Westbrook uh gets traded to the Lakers for like uh Kuzma and KCP and uh, Montrez Herald and what like a draft pick or two, S- something like that.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't know where they be getting that these assets. I thought we traded them all off.
1: Well, remember, um, like when you trade when you trade with uh trade off, like because of the Magic or the the uh, that Cleveland trade with the Lakers that ended up netting them James Worthy, you can't trade draft picks. consecutively. Rule. You have to trade them every other year. So. Like, the Lakers had every other year of their draft, they basically said the other half, you're to have had a little bit. You know, fuck, here you go. Um, I think it was less than that. It wasn't like, you know, the next decade of draft picks are going, but it's uh, something like, I think something like uh, six of the next, or four of the next uh, six years or whatever, Lakers draft picks are, belong somewhere else. But yeah, um, Russ Westbrook is on a team with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and um, also added to the team was... Dwight Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo. Uh, who else?
2: Dwight Carmelo. That's right. Dwight
1: Carmelo. Uh, Kendrick Nunn. Yep. Wayne
2: Ellington. Ken yeah. Baysmore. Trevor Ariza.
1: That's right. Uh, yeah. I and that goes with. Really? It, it. Yeah. And that goes with what this, the the Nets already had with Duran and Harden and Kyrie and uh, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan and um, Joe Harris to go with uh, Patty Mills. And he may have had one other signing. Oh, I think Andre is choosing between the Lakers or the Warriors, going back to the Warriors, or going to with the Nets, which means to me, like... He, he went to the Warriors. Okay, well, I, before I even knew that, it was meant to me, like, he's either going to either play in the Western Conference Finals against LeBron James or play in the NBA Finals against LeBron James. Like, I would have liked it if he had gone to the Nets. going to be like, look, bro. That means we have, that means we have played each other in like, what, 2005, 6, 7, I'm sorry, 2015, 16, 17, 18, 20, and then 21, I'm sorry, 22. If you be like, yes, we have played each other in the finals where I have basically guarded the best basketball player in the world or something, or close to it for like five, or sorry, uh, yeah. No, six of the last eight finals. That would have been that would have been like a really cool, neat story, like a neat little like subplot of like Andre Godala is is the ultimate LeBron James Garter. He gets he has Look. he has won some, he has lost some, but it has been fun the whole time.
2: Like uh, Jerry West showing back up to the final. Sam Jones be like, you again, Jerry?
0: <laughs>
1: God damn it! <laughs> Yeah, but he's on the Warriors, so we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, uh, I just
2: wonder: are, are the teams fair? Like, is is this like you know, is this a fair matchup? You know, do do we have to worry about like you know, say, saying it's unfair? Is is you know, a landslide? Is a is a dead giveaway? Who's
1: gonna win? And oh well, I think that the Nets are going to win. I think the Nets have a better. I think the Nets, like, if you told me. All right, you take LeBron and you take Durant and you move them off to the floor. The next best next uh, player you would take would be who would be Anthony Davis, right? Healthy, right? Yeah, I probably say so. All right, I think in in the playoffs I'd rather have James Harden in Kyrie Irving than before Westbrook. But that that comes down to opinion, right? Like I, if you want to just go down to a simple breakdown, like I think that the Warriors, or am sorry, the Warriors, the, <laughs> the Warriors, uh. I think there's a simple breakdown. Like everything comes really easy for the Nets, except for playing some defense, right? Like maybe they they lose because of a lack of defense and rebounding, right? Like, sure, the the Lakers should crush them on the boards, but like the way they the way they get their points this season, it will nobody by like, no means be easy. It will it will be none but grit, grind, and hard work. That, like, uh, do you remember the uh, the old? Um, Floyd Mayweather like twenty four seven stuff when he show himself uh, working out and stuff, and it'd be, yeah. his his team be like, be like, show me that money, that money, mo- that money motivates me. It's like hard work, dedication, hard work, dedication. It's gonna take a lot of that for Lakers to win this title because I like I this as far as like putting the ball in the basket, the Nets have more easy options to do that than the Lakers do with Westbrook in in uh, they don't necessarily have a a their, their shooting is better than last year I on paper at least. But I think they have gone from very bad to in the middle of the pack compared to the Nets who are, like, they're probably going to be the best three-point shooting team in the entire league, if not in the top five all year long. Like, it's just easier. Like, you have the easiest bucket to ever live. You have James Harden, one of the greatest scorers of all time. You have Kyrie Irving, one of the greatest scorers in his position of all time. And, like, they can all get their own shot at any point in time. Like, I don't really know necessarily. Like, I, you can, in theory, in theory, you can say the same thing for Anthony Davis, but he's not going to have the ball when Westbrook's around on, on a team. Like, he's not going to be the person to have the ball. Like, when we used to think that, like, it's going to be Kevin Love and LeBron James as the two best players on the team. No, because he's, never, he's not going to have the ball. It's going to be Kyrie. Right. So, uh, yeah, like, with Westbrook there... Like it may I think that this may kind of nerf Anthony Davis to an extent, but we'll see how this goes. But either way, I think these are the two best teams in the league. If they have decent amount of health, like obviously with the Lakers, like somebody's gonna go down. You don't know who, but somebody's guaranteed to go down given the age. But I think that like We are so old. Like yeah. Well, when, yeah.
2: when I just, when I saw those names continue to roll in, like I'm very excited about Russell Westbrook fin- finally becoming a Laker. Like I feel like that man spiritually should have been a Laker for a long time. <laughs> like I've been waiting for him to come home, so very happy about that. But um, I saw all those names keep rolling in. I saw Trevor Ariza. I was like, bro, he <clears>
1: did watch it 2018.
2: Yes. Yeah. I was like, what is this? And I'm just like, is LeBron the GM trying to do? like you know trying to just have all all his his peer group around <laughs> like like what is this like
1: um excited to see Carmelo as a Laker kind of um I think he might have some juice offensively like let me phrase that I know he'll have some juice offensively what? I just I just wonder if um I wonder what his dedication is to the defensive end of the floor like I think offensively the best lineup they can run out there would be like some version of like Westbrook. I don't even know, but like I'm, I'm like basically like a front court of like Le, of Anthony Davis at center, LeBron at four, or Carmelo at three, Westbrook at point guard, whoever the hell is. West Matthews still on the team, right? West Matthews or
2: Wayne Ellington.
1: Yeah, so West, Wester Wayne uh, as a shooting guard, like that'd be like the best offensive lineup you can come up with as far as like shooting space and whatever else is. You still it, got Mark Gasol as well. Yeah, like he, he'll, he'll he's like he'll be platooning with for minutes with um Dwight with Dwight, right? Like that'd be offensive defensive uh, uh, situation, right? If you need one more of either or the other. You that's an what you go with. Got Hall of Famers coming off the bench like the <laughs> Celtics
2: in the '60s.
1: Oh my God. I don't think this I don't think this is eighty six Walton, but okay if you got, say got so.
2: Three Hall of Famers coming off. <laughs> the end.
1: I don't think this is I do not think this is eighty six Walton, but if you say so, sure. You know
2: <laughs> Yeah. Um kind of kind of excited about it. Uh it's, it's only two labels in the league, like, you know That's
1: what it seems like. Until you know.
2: further notice, like you know, we got our good competitive uh playoffs last year, it seems like so. Um, super teams back with a vengeance
1: clutch versus rock nation
2: <laughs> yep and you see it, it set up and play it out like we've been talking about for years this is not Lakers versus Nets that, that is on, on the well, floor that's only what your, your layman your casual sees but you know between you and I we know
1: well the thing for me is like it's less enjoyable for me because like when they meet up they're going to bring up this Westbrook-Durant plotline, and I'm like, I don't want to... I don't care. That shit is whack, bro. Like, it's... Oh, like, that shit's dead with... Like, Durant left. Durant, like, wanted to play better basketball. He went and he did that. Like, the Westbrook part proves into the pudding. Like, he's great for for to be on the regular season. He tries hard. You get into a postseason situation. He plays so hard, he empties the tank, and then, like, there's nothing else for him in crunch time because he's emptied the tank. Like... Maybe he's better in the in crunch or in crunch time situation now that, like, he doesn't have to put all... In theory, he doesn't put all, place all that upon him, but we never seen him not do that, so he might... Even even with Kevin Durant, he never, like, chilled in that particular spot. So, like, maybe we'll see if he can mature enough to say, like, I gotta have something for these fourth quarters, and, like, I'm older, and I got LeBron who's better at a lot of this than me. So we'll see how this goes. Like, but... I think that, like, they're going to be in the finals, and, like, I like, in the regular season, I'd much rather have Russ Westbrook than, than, uh, than Kyrie Irving. In the postseason, I'd much rather have Kyrie Irving than Russ Westbrook. <laughs> so I think, that's, I think that's how it's going to play out. And, like, I don't think a lot of people, like, really think of it in those terms, but, like, I think that's what ultimately what is a lot of this is going to come down to is, like, is it really going to be, it needs to be, like, talked about between Westbrook and Kyrie, and people are going to be so concerned about Durant and LeBron and Durant and Westbrook, and I'm just like, I don't really find that to be all that entertaining, but, because it's, it's so old, but whatever we'll, we'll see how this goes and we'll see how they play and we're gonna see like,
2: who's we're gonna see who's triple doubles count this year <laughs> you know uh, i've been seeing russ get called a stat patter for for years and years and years and i'm like well what about this fucking guy like the so, guy that did
1: less in theory
2: yeah uh. but um yeah it's gonna it's gonna be real interesting because like man like we like know when westbrook
1: people, gets, when people look, talk about the stat we,
2: we know we know westbrook is usually getting blamed for stuff but like that lebron media blame for his teammates when they quote-unquote fail him like oh man that's gonna be that's gonna be interesting to see uh if, if that happens
1: i wouldn't i i i wouldn't necessarily say if it happens i think it will happen because like westbrook that's westbrook's game like I think the best game I think I've ever seen Westbrook play was that game four of the 2012 finals, where he like sets the records for most baskets made in a finals game, and then like at the end he like throws up on his on, he spits up on his jersey and like costs up the game at the end. Like, there's some there's just something that happens with him where like crunch time situations in the playoffs or whatever else it just it just doesn't for whatever reason doesn't manifest, and like I think a lot of it is if I was going to actually make the intangible reason for why this stuff happens tangible, I think a lot of it is he plays so hard. He doesn't demonstrate himself to be tired in the traditional way that other people get tired. Where you see like Giannis exhausted. You see LeBron exhausted. You see Durant exhausted. You see that dude standing up straight, breathing fine. But like his play, his play just like tells off in crunch time at times. These playoff games. I think that's the, I think that's the tell for him. Um, and like, we'll see, like, hopefully, hopefully like, Something changes because I would like to get off the dude's back. Like I, I hate to have the harp on the fact. It's like, yeah, he's great for forty-four minutes. Like that's not necessarily fun. Like I want to be on the side of y'all and something when y'all tell me all these fucking breakaway dunks. But it's like the point is to win. Like so, like for me, I that's I w- I would like to see that change. Like I would like, quite frankly, like to see like a really good finals where I'm not saying like, yeah, one team lost because one person just like went rogue. And like that's what this finals could be. It's like Kyrie Irving can go rogue can go rogue. Westbrook go rogue, so I was like, I hopefully like I want to do that one of these. I hope both teams play well. I hope both teams it's make good. it. I hope both teams play well, and I see some great basketball. I don't have to uh, scapegoat any or not scapegoat, but have to say somebody blew it for the other uh, for their teammates. Yeah,
2: James Harden gonna blow that shit too. So
1: he could, in theory, <laughs> he's had a lot of playoff <laughs> stickers. That's true.
2: Um. Yeah. But yeah. So
1: um, time for basketball? Or I keep saying basketball. Time for actual is, uh, fake fight? No, it's not. It's Dipset versus the Locks. Oh shit! This more it's, <laughs> it's it's more word. pop cultural shit. <laughs> That's what we said. All, right. All right, Rich, this is this is your beat because I did not watch this, even though I wanted to get to. It, I just never got around to it, man. Um, so it's, it's your turn. It's your time.
2: So, so Dipset versus the Locks, man. This was a demolition. Um, wow. And, you know, you're just just thinking about who you think is gonna win ahead of time. I'm like, oh alright,
1: I I think I'll take Dipset, whatever. That's what I thought off of, you know, just thinking about it, just thinking, like, alright, well, I think that this is, you know, versus more or less popularity contest and I think that Dipset has, you know, done more as far as making, you know, hot records people remember.
2: Then I forgot that Jadakiss in, in these versus things is different. And has all the timing, the responses, the rebuttals, and quite frankly, they had the streets. And like they were forcing Dipset out of their comfort zone. Like when Jadakiss was basically saying, Y'all niggas ain't no real MCs. Like y'all over here doing karaoke over over the top of your vocals. We over here rapping. And like it's just like you forget the locks has like they're on so many like dope features. They've got Incredible mix mixtape catalogs, yeah. Dipset, their track listing was all fucked up. By the time like the official battle stop, there was so much shit they didn't play. Whoever their DJ was should have been fired. Um, but you think the DJ was out there playing anything that they didn't want them to play, or like they were playing like Purple City Bird Gang and this shit? Now I like Purple what? City Bird Gang, but wow. like, but like that's not going to like ride for everyone else. Like they opened up in a way that I was like, Oh, they played I'm ready first. I was like, okay, I <clears throat> think that we bought, we bought to see something here. But then like, you just start going through it. And it was like, bro, Jaden kiss is just like, he's too much. Like, and, it, and like Cam was trying to save like the, the team in the middle. And, but Juels was an absolute zero. They didn't play Mike check. They didn't play like a lot of stuff like Dipset did. Um, and it came down to like seeing dudes that really knew how to like rap and were respected as lyricists, and then dips that like kind of rolled in there with the image and like the like they thought like they thought it was a coronation, but the locks thought it was like, hey, we coming to prove some. We were always better than these niggas. We are always nicer than them. And like I said uh, in the group chat before, I like people didn't necessarily ever compare dipset and the locks when i was growing up up there like no i mean
1: it's like a bunch of yonkers dudes versus some harlem dudes like i mean uh, it uh, it was
2: like the locks and dmx against like Rockefeller, jay-z uh seagull like you know that like that was the rivalry or whatever it was never it was never dipset or whatever so that's why that's another thing with the verses that are kind of weird they'll like match you up with someone that it don't quite fit but they we able to get people to say yes to do it.
1: Like they weren't hot at the same time, right? Like they were. In, like let's say, they, like okay, because Cam was around in the nineties, right? But like let's say, like the peak of Cam, the peak of Cam is like Rockefeller Cam, right? So, so like that's really like 02 through two thousand purple. What purple haze was two thousand four or five? Two thousand four. Two thousand four. Yeah. So like say. So basically, let's say like from come come shop with me to uh uh what's the shit called uh uh diplomatic community 2 right that's pretty much like like the one five yeah Yeah. so like the locks is like in the rough rider shit where they're like on like all those like um you know rough rider volumes two and three or whatever and like that is and they're on all
2: those features and they got shit with mariah Mariah carey and
1: right right and like Right, and like, Kiss as a singles rapper was like, huge in like, 2001. You know what I'm saying? So like, yes, they're both 2000s New York acts, but like, their ones, like, the peak of their the peak of their powers were like, one was hot and then the other, like, kind of subsided, the other one got hot later on. Like, they weren't like, the two hottest New York, you know, groups at the same time. Like, there's like, they're not that much overlap to be quite honest with you. So like, yeah, I agree with you in, from that perspective, Yeah.
2: And, like, it really came down to Kiss being a, a far better rapper than everyone on the stage.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, well, I mean, it's also, like, <laughs> look, like no, no disrespect, but, like, Styles P is a way better rapper than the other f- uh, four people, too.
2: Yeah. Like, and it was just, like, incredible, like, presence. Like, the locks are actually a group. That's true. Um, and Dipset is, like, you know, that's Cam, Jimmy... And Joel's right, and it's mm-hmm. like they're taking turns doing songs. They're doing a couple of the songs they got together. I think they would have benefited from like bringing out second string dudes for like one or two songs. Bring out just Hell Rail, just bring them out as a surprise. Bring like Hell Rail, <laughs> JR, they are, and like bring them out and let them do like the pit or something. And it's like, oh, okay, we're reaching for like a deep cut here. I think people would have liked that a lot, mm. but. They got stuck playing the wrong songs at the wrong time, talking the wrong kind of shit. And it was just like immediately, it was like, you ain't got no anthems from New York. And then Jada the Kids drops fucking New York in his verse. Um, that it was, Joel was talking about, y'all ain't got no songs for the, for the ladies. And then they run off like seven straight songs, like uh, the Rider
1: Dot Chick and showing yeah. them songs they had with fucking Eve that Tim yeah. was doing beats for. Her. Nah, <laughs> bro, they, they kind of do. They kind of do.
2: Yeah, it was it was a bad night. If you were if you were a um, like card carrying dipset fan, like it was a bad bad night. It was like, yo, this dude Jadakiss, is different. This man's two and zero in these. Like he did the same thing to Fab essentially, and but this is worse than mm-hmm. than what he did to Fab because like you would have thought that would have been a lot more even, but like <clears throat> Jadakiss, like like they're not playing like when blood pressure comes on like.
1: It gets different in there, man. Mm-hmm. Like,
2: like, the, so, the, like, my it was question for you was
1: do I need to go back and watch it so I can see, uh, Jaden Styles? Do we gonna make it?
2: You have to see all the, all the memes. Like, we gonna make it was at the very end, right? Okay. And it was, and it was like in consequence to the battle. Really? Like, the battle was over, it was like over like three fourths of the way through it. Wow. Or whatever. And it was just like, yo, like, what are they doing? And then, like, all the crews are on stage and everything. Like it's wild. Like Ooh. there was one point, like Cam, like kick styles or some shit. Like there was almost a fight, but they didn't want to fuck up the money. Like there was just a lot to to do here. But um, as a you know, I, James, you know, like I, you know, as an East Coast hip hop connoisseur, it was a great night um, seeing that stuff. And I think people like don't necessarily don't know how great cameron is because like i saw a, a a switch like flipping him where he knew they were getting dusted mm-hmm. at one point and he was like all right i gotta really like you know come with the energy and all that and then there was a one point he tried to freestyle and he fucked up and he got booed or whatever mm. and it was like it was like a real short thing it wasn't like like people were gonna tweet about it and make more jokes about it than it actually was but i saw a lot of pride from cam on the stage. Um when they knew when he knew that there was nothing they could do and he was still trying to trying to go at it um jimmy and jewels is just like kind of hanging out Mm -hmm. on for the ride but um yeah definitely like this but this was the night of Jada kiss this was like hey all-time madison square garden moments willis reed uh, (laughs) kobe bryant Jada kiss in the fucking verses
1: like (laughs) that's that's well, that's what we got. But- Michael Jordan's double nickel. Yes. In, in Jadakiss inside of not actual Madison Square Garden, yes. but like the building that's next to Madison Square. Yes.
2: All time performance.
1: <laughs> oh, my <God. laughs> oh my god! Like ne- like step aside look, all those Billy Joel sellouts. Never mind those. You never
2: know <laughs> New York Rangers. <laughs> nah. Yeah, make like room.
1: congratulations on your recent world, or your recent Stanley Cup. Never mind that though. Oh my God,
2: make room. Okada him
1: hey. the title there. Never yeah. mind that part. Yeah, N- none of it. <laughs> kiss. Oh my God. So what? They, so how did they? How did they celebrate this? Do they? Do they put a mic up in the in the arena?
2: Um, I. So what they do? Like uh, he took a picture in the locker room where he like put his jacket up high. You remember that Kobe? Um picture uh after the second title in the locker room where he's alone and he has the fucking trophy and the, the big jack and the hat on Jake yeah, 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 yeah. Mimic- like the big
1: like the black jack with a bunch of crazy colors on it
2: yes yeah he has mimicked that or whatever <laughs> like and he but he had a bottle of champagne or whatever so you gotta like put that picture up you know oh, like onto God. the onto the joint
1: <laughs> all right then uh you be sure to tell the dolans to, to get that shit up there then yeah immediately
2: <laughs> But um from, you know, his rap to another rap, uh Max Caster, earlier this week. Oh, good God. Um <laughs> So we This is how we get the wrestling? I, I yes, Okay. I, I feel like I could have seen this coming uh with Max Caster and I sent a a little bit of a of a tweet thread out about it. And I was like, I can't necessarily fault the man, but then I'm like, maybe I can because like Like, I know better (laughs) than, like, and I was like, well, this is the difference between someone like Max Caster and someone like MJF, who we always come on this show and say MJF knows exactly where the line is, it seems like. Seems like it, yeah. And Max Caster, he did his rhyme pretty much talking about, you know, I'll make you claim mental health like Simone Biles. He brought up Duke Lacrosse. Uh, he essentially told <sighs> Julia uh, Hart her. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, the Julia yeah. Hart. Okay, so. How old is Matt's caster? And he's 30 something? Yeah, he's 32. Why are you talking about like a 19 year old w- woman's vagina? Like, what? So, like, that's that's one. Two, Duke Lacros- the Duke Lacrosse line.
2: That's the worst one for me. Like,. okay so what i'm like i wouldn't touch that one with a 10-foot pole
1: because it ultimately is like look man um that's one of those that's one of those famous trials where people don't really remember what exactly happened like people talk about like the people talk about like ray lewis for example right like when people are like oh he ray lewis a murderer no he snitched on the murderers but like when people talk about dude i was like nah like they were assholes, but they absolutely did not rape that woman um, and the D.A. Also fumbled or not fumbled, but like prosecuted people that were not at the time. Didn't like that was not something that normally gets charged. But because Duke lacrosse, that team had a reputation for all those years of being, you know, those assholes like that. You know, once you throw in, you know, a bunch of, of a bunch of entitled white. Guys, second generation rich m- motherfuckers from out of town that to come into to come into Durham and they rape a, they rape a black woman like that's going to be a story like that didn't happen though like so but people think but people only remember the case or the the, right. the, they the case they don't remember the trial they don't remember none of that so people think of like oh they're making a story about the fact that he got, like but no but he knows that people know don't remember that part so mm-hmm. like so like you can't even say like well you know. He can't even play like plausible liability because like, that's one of those cases where everybody everybody remembers what, like the start, not the end. So mm-hmm. yeah, like he shouldn't have brought that shit up. Simone Biles saying, the Simone Biles bile is ignorance because like, and I was ignorant to this too, like until that weekend where she came out, and I was like, I don't have some mental, ang- I have mental anxiety, but it's not because of like I'm weak minded. It's because like, I- there's a, because of doing gymnastics. I have an like yeah like it's like i'm dizzy it's basically like saying i'm dizzy and i can't control being dizzy it's like okay that's not the same thing like this isn't something like clearly like you're, you're, her equilibrium is fucked up from doing so many twists that she can't perform her thing without like possibly landing on her neck so was like all right, you wouldn't have somebody go out there and do the fucking vault when they were drunk, would you? So why would you have her do this? Like, of course not. So mm-hmm. this is a mental health... It's mental health, but it's a different kind of mental health. Like, there's a, there's a chemical imbalance in her brain that's, like, literally making shit, her equilibrium fucked up. So, like, that's not that's not even the same thing. So all of that stuff is like, hey, bro, maybe you shouldn't say any of these three things. Maybe you should just, like, come up with something else. So, yeah, like, he shouldn't have said that shit. Like, as far as people saying he should be fired, if that's what you, if that's how you feel... Uh, I, I'm i not going to disagree with you but I don't look at it the same way and, I, and I'll leave it at that. I have a difference of opinion on that. I think that um, I think that like given what we've done in AEW people have fucked up whether it was like Excalibur or, or it was um, Sammy Guevara or something came up Shond- past where they fucked up send their ass off to sensitivity training and bring it back. If they fuck up again we have a different conversation but um, I don't think that that justifies he should be off TV and and banished from uh, major American professional wrestling. I don't necessarily. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't necessarily agree. With that. I don't think many people have made those calls. That's the kind of the out the fringe. But people are like, "Hey, bro, that's fucked up that you said this stuff." And also, like, how come this wasn't edited? I, so right. I think. I think that's the main thing is like one, he should have said none of this shit, and two, it should have been edited. So like off. nobody
2: watched the show like before you put it up. Like like uh, apparently like Tony Khan said he's gonna take over the editing of the program after he was working on something else at the time during the thing. But I'm like man that's convenient um <laughs> it is but this is what i will say right i'm like there's no one else that like and, and that sucks now because now he's adding like yo like this is a busy fucking guy from my perspective
1: like, from my perspective him having to, to fill the, the need to do that that's enough for, that's enough for max Cass be fired if need be mm-hmm. like wait a second so you mean to tell me we have we now, I'm not, not going to say we, from the perspective of that company. Let's, let's take it from a fan, fan perspective. Let's take it from the perspective of that company. We got wrestlers that are doing multiple jobs all around this bitch. We got people, you know, coming in, flying in, flying back out, all that kind of stuff. And million things going on. Like, we, and people are giving you trust to not fuck it up for everybody else.
2: Especially like the road they're on right now. Like, like any, like, the higher profile the company gets, it only takes a little bit to fuck it up.
1: Right. So from our perspective, it's like, hey man, everybody's out here doing their part. Don't fuck this up for everybody else. So like, when to- so for me it's like when Tony Khan has to or whatever, like Tony Khan has all these things he has to do. Now he has to add, I have to edit and, and, and censor, if need be, the fucking uh, dark show match, or dark, dark matches. It's like literal dark magic that aren't on tv on cable they're going to be on youtube if he has to edit the youtube show it's like hey bro that's enough for, for him to be fired if, if, it, if it came down to it just from the part where it's like you're adding onto the boss's job you know how many people get fired for that in a regular day life for making their boss's <laughs> jobs harder just, just, just i don't mean like he should be fired from things he said it's like you made your job your boss's job even harder when you work for him now he has to do work for you that what yeah yeah, so, you know, but nobody's talking about him being fired from that perspective, so I'm leaving that alone, but, like, yeah, so, whatever, I I just think, like, he, he, I don't know if there's an actual doghouse in AEW, I don't think this ever exists for anybody yet, I think they kind of, like, leave people alone, to even get to that point, kind of, like, when, you know, Lee's is longer with us, uh, so, with us, like, I'm part of the team, like, with AEW, uh, so, like, yeah, I, I think that, like, I think he needs to chill out for whatever, for whatever it is worth, like, if you want to do if you want to do that gimmick where you when you're a insult rapper and you and, and you out here looking like just shit compared to the row or death row to hit row, then like maybe he felt pressure. He has to say more edgy stuff because he's out here getting out rapped every, on a weekly basis. I don't know, yeah. but like speaking, this can't continue. That, like, he's gonna have to evolve or do his thing and be okay, content with getting aired out by uh, by getting or getting out getting flamed by um hit row every week.
2: Like I think he, because um, like I've dabbled in like the shock jock rapping, like you know when I was younger and all that, like ten. Oh, years I later. know. So quite like, aware. You know, you know. So I'm like, man, I can't really condemn this dude, but then like he's 32, so it's like.
1: And you were doing the you in your early mid 20s.
2: Yeah. So, like, and he does the thing every week with TMZ that's been set up and. He, what's that? He he has this thing, this weekly TMZ segment where he wraps up the week like in a rap. Like I think Mark said ah. it up for him or whatever. But um, so it's
1: like skills except for the, except his weekly instead of a year. Yeah. Okay.
2: So um and, and, you know it's pretty all right, but like I see Max Caster's style and I like you know him as the rapper or whatever, but I'm like whoa, and I I kind of on Twitter explained exactly what he's doing. Like I'm like he's waking up, he's He's surveying the landscape of like the outrage, the right wing outrage. And then he's flipping it into jokes like <laughs> like and the stuff that like they fuck with a lot of the times can get you fucking tripped up out here,
1: buddy. You yeah, have to maybe maybe stop it. like parroting like culture war talking points. Maybe maybe just maybe stop doing that.
2: Yeah, like there's a lot you can say when it when it comes to dissing somebody in a rap. Like in an eight-bar rap, how can you fuck up that much? Like you have twenty seconds. Man. That's how long an eight-bar rap is. You Depending on seconds. the beat, yeah. Depending on the beat, yeah. Bro, like there's twenty seconds, and he's got the same beat every time. Right. So he doesn't have yo, to like, yeah, yo, got,
1: yo go, go. yeah, yeah.
2: He's got the same beat every time, so it's like, don't blow it for yourself. Don't blow it for um, Anthony Bowens. Don't blow it for the company.
1: Yeah. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Dustin. Hey, Dustin.
2: Don't fuck the money.
1: Like, how hard is
2: that? So, learn the line. Yeah. Because if you don't, like, I don't know, bro. Like. You're not on TV for your wrestling. Like, this is how you're going to become a star. Don't fuck it up. Yeah. So, um. What else we got?
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at hero.co.
2: NXT is dead. Graveyard. Speaking of like fucking it up, Jesus. (laughs) philosophy change in NXT. This comes on a couple weeks after Vince McMahon's visit to the PC which it was said everything was just fine. It was, a, it was a positive visit and all this other stuff. We had during SmackDown we had 13 wrestlers from NXT released and after that Dave came out and put a report out saying yeah um, no midgets, no one over 30 uh, and big guys. Um, it's almost like yeah, we gonna that that whole era that has like you know been from like the, the network era of NXT forward, it's over. We've closed that book. James, a man that has hosted the NXT then now is forever uh, podcast and regularly kept our listeners up to to date on the NXT. Like I, I checked out quite a while back. I'll check in every so often. If Swerer's doing something, he wants to check something out or uh, anything I might find is interesting, I'll take a look at it. Um, a lot of conversations sprung up this last week, people blaming Gargano and Ciampa, which is fucking crazy in my opinion. But um, what do you make of all this, though? I haven't really talked to you about it.
1: It's over. Um. The run of NXT from, uh, like you said, the the network launching in February 2014 to now, that run of, of, uh, in style of of pro wrestling and how it evolved over the years into being more indie-rific to accommodate more veterans from around the world that came in um, as a place to get hot to eventually go to the main roster before Vince like gave them three weeks and then quit on them um that seems to be over and that's very sad for me because nxt is my last tie to actually caring about wwe at all um i watched the pay-per-views on the main roster some of the pay-per-views in the last like uh of recent have actually been like good shows not great shows but good shows at least uh well i think there was one show that i thought was damn good but whatever um watching them week to week Is not an event. It is not something that you need to watch this week and then, um, unless it's something that's being built like a a big show like a uh, New Year's Evil, Halloween Havoc, two title matches on one week, there is not a need to watch this show on a weekly basis like it used to be. Um, And that's unfortunate. Uh, But it is in line with what we thought was going to happen to NXT, as it moved to USA, as Vince gave more notes to change the show to make it be able to have mass appeal to be able to beat AEW or Dynamite. And the more the notes have, the more they've listened to the notes, the worse they've done um, from a viewership standpoint, from a star making standpoint, from a program making standpoint, from a in-ring product like NXT, even as it was not um for a lot of people not necessarily destination television to watch weekly live um when it was on wednesdays on the network um it was still a, a, a show where like you would get one two great matches a week and you would tell people to go check it out nxt after portland in the pandemic it ceased to be such a thing it would be at times where they would have great matches but like the Guar- you tune in guarantee to get yourself a three and three quarter to four and a quarter star match or maybe even higher, depending on the week, it depending on specialness of the whatever the match and the stakes. No. Um and that's sad. And the booking got worse and the programming got worse. Like last year we didn't have a single uh program or feud make a list of candidates for Feud of the Year last year. It didn't deserve it. There's nothing this year there like by the end of this gar- or not gar- no, the end of this uh, uh, Colin O'Reilly thing. It'll end up being up there. Like they already have two, four and a half star matches and they're, they're bound to have a third one in a couple weeks or whatever else. But that's really it, right? Like they were really good. Triple H, regardless of how many times he did some screwy thing or goofy thing over the, as this thing got more and more out of hand. Um, he would always figure out how to give you a, a a build towards three weeks for something for next thing but it kept it was the hot shotting where it's like okay that's cool but then what like what's what's actually the game plan where are we get actually get building towards over three over three months uh, four months possibly six months there was none of that when there used to be that all the time in NXT um and in that part Sorry?
2: There's been, a lot of, there's been a lot of people dropping these retrospective columns, like, where did it go wrong? There was, a, there was one on... Dead they started hot
1: shotting. One, That's what went wrong.
2: There was one on Voice of Wrestling from Garrett Kidney. It was like the one thing that once people stopped moving up, like your Cole Gargano, like your four guys, like your Undisputed Era, mm-hmm. Gargano and Ciampa, it's like the problem in NXT that they ran into, which they never had to deal with when people were doing their one year in a day, uh, <sighs> was what do you do with the people after their you know their their championship story like they were telling the easiest story in the world for like four years yeah and then once the talent dried up it was like well after these takeovers um the people on our minds were not their pc trained people like that it was never that and it was always like yo they just kicked shit out of the main roster like they bro they regularly kicked shit out of the main roster like how many WrestleManias? How many SummerSlams? Like have they run them the fuck out the building?
1: I think what? there has been one time where they have ran on the same week where uh where the main roster had the better show, and that would be the Royal Rumble 2018, and that's because of what we thought it meant for Asuka and Nakamura in those two Royal Rumbles. Mm-hmm. And like it wasn't because they outworked them, like it's a fucking Royal Rumble. And
2: they they never had to keep a star hot after they lost the title. Right. And they had, like for me, when NXT started changing, like the, the crystallization of what I was talking about, like there was a while I was trying to put it into words where I just was like, Hey, it's a scam. But like, I could never like finger point something. It was like, all right, once we get that, you know, we're watching all that terrible TV in late 2018 with Baron Corbin running raw into the fucking, like, Muck. Um,
1: and they, Rollins and Ambrose having one of the worst feuds ever.
2: Yes. And then they're like, all right, the answer is fucking Lacey Evans, Lars, EC3, Nikki Cross, and Heavy Machinery. And I'm like, you think, what? Huh? The, all these people that, like, don't even have fucking takeover matches? Like, like, what is going on here? And then they were creating something in NXT that had no purpose for the like they were not quote-unquote preparing people for the main roster now the main roster is fucked up right so like it's like all right we'd almost rather them just be what they were but it was always gonna end this way because like vince is the one in charge like hunter doesn't run the main show so like for me kind of it's like well at least it all can suck like we don't have to like like pretend anymore like that these people have hope going forward and it's like i can just pretty much say okay it's all one vision now like one vision of whether it's trash or not like it's one vision of trash like there's not like this place where these people get stagnated and we're just like waiting for them to to get picked off or their contract to start coming up and all that stuff is happening too now all these contracts are coming up from all these people that have signed on top of all these cuts they're making. And we always wondered about that, too. I'm like, well, they got to get such and such on the main roster because they only have a year left, like, on their deal and stuff like that. And this stuff is, like, crystallizing and happening even more now. So, I don't know, man. Like, it's, uh, like, I have friends that, <laughs> obviously, are work in NXT, and it's like, man, I hope that, I hope that he's okay. And, you know, even even if he's quote-unquote not okay in WWE, he'll be. In. Um, it's just like, they, this man, like, when the chips are down, he's always going to revert to his old self. We need big guys. We need stiffs. Like, it's going to be a bunch of Mason Ryan, Babatunde motherfuckers in there. And I'm like, that totally doesn't excite me. They don't understand it. CM Punk and Daniel Bryan getting over and becoming, like, the enduring stars they were officially broke them because, like, they saw that shit and they're like, we never really wanted to do that shit anyway, so now that all that shit's over, quote-unquote, and we lost, and this is also, like, a response to losing to AEW, and it's like, I'm just going to do the whole thing my way. Like, Hunter's rapidly losing power. I wouldn't be shocked,
1: like, one day that he doesn't work for WWE. Huh. Never really thought it would go that far. What um, what I will say is like the fact that they had two different visions. The fact that they had two different visions doesn't really bother me because like one person has a has a closer idea to what the fuck is going on than the other, and just because mm-hmm. the one that has a better idea what the fuck is going on is the one that's basically uh, with the kids, and the one and the old man is on top fucking up um, everything like. I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily like think that like we should all just, I I as a wrestling fan I should watch all the wrestling or all the all that talent gets spoiled because one guy is out of his fucking mind and one person has more of a clue. Now, from from from, I think the thing for me is, um, they the thing that I I'm I'm stuck on is. From the perspective of multiple fans is um, there are at first there were WWE fans and then there are wrestling fans that just want to watch good wrestling and AEW was the outlet to watch a bunch of good wrestling from the WWE perspective because they don't want to do that right uh, for whatever reason then AEW comes around to be another alternative for more good wrestling and then they weaponize the one like goodwill thing they have to the people that like good wrestling. Which I believe there are more people that like good wrestling than WWE Sports Entertainment. Maybe i stopped, maybe I stop calling it good wrestling so people won't just immediately put their guard up when I say this. But let's say professional wrestling is sports entertainment. NXT was always more studio wrestling, 80s, JCP era professional wrestling. And style wrestling, inspired wrestling. So as AEW comes around and basically does uh, professional wrestling with a lot of the glitz and the production value in the bright lights in the packed arenas that sports entertainment has, it's kind of a best best of both worlds.
2: And they were telling us that this didn't exist anymore like like this way would not work
1: yeah because you know it's it's for the bingo halls right um so you're setting up studio wrestling like you're setting up sports entertainment trotting out its studio wrestling studio professional wrestling outfit to go up against professional wrestling done with sports entertainment aesthetics and then thought like it was it should win what? Like, uh you talked about how you had listened back to a two thousand like a I think it was like a summer or fall twenty nineteen episode one issue earlier. We we both predicted like AW is going to be unbothered by NXT coming in, right? Yeah. And it was like why are y'all surprised that this lost? Of course it was going to lose. <laughs> and you know what I'm saying? It's like It'd be like getting upset at Boise State for not, like, beating Oklahoma, like, all the time. All right. Like, it happened one time. Doesn't mean it's supposed to happen all the time. Um, And, like, as a... And then, like, from the perspective of... So now because your studio wrestling show in front of 400 people weekly, the same 400... Most of them are, like, over half of them the same fans every single week until the pandemic hits and then like you yeah, have no idea what to fucking do
2: it's like the pandemic was the great equalizer because like it took the crowd the quote-unquote cheating from AEW that they got to go to different arenas and everything like that it was like all right we're gonna put it in the same place and then i
1: think one show came came apart and one got tighter almost absolutely like nxt did not have these problems until until the pandemic came around nxt was still a very good show until the pandemic came around like you 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 know like you talk about that November when they moved to uh, or sorry actually uh September when they moved to NXT or moved to USA and then all the way into that February to Portland happened like that was excellent television you were getting four and a quarter star matches you were getting uh Chompa comes back you were getting Finn Balor coming back and dropping Johnny's head on the fucking uh, gate right you were getting like a substitution for that you were getting uh, Riddle versus Finn Balor you were getting. Undisputed um, in war games, and you were getting uh, Shane or uh, Shana versus Rhea and Rhea's run towards that title. Like it was smoking. It was still great. And like watching those Wednesday shows between AEW or sorry uh, AEW Dynamite NXT was a blast to cover. But then like the pandemic happened and everything changed. And then like you get the the goofy thing where like we're gonna make uh we're gonna make keith lee the champion uh the u.s or the sorry, north american champion and then like oh yeah never mind like a month later we're also gonna make him double champion and then like oh he's gonna vacate the belt so what the fuck and then cross comes in and then like cross uh like does a brock lesnar run towards the title and then he gets hurt in the middle of that he wins the title and it's like all right so why did keith lee even win both belts and then like they have to stay they stabilize the thing around finn balor and then finn balor like has great title matches, a great champion, and then like ultimately that's to lead to getting the belt right back to Cross. And look how and look what they have to do to get Cross to have good matches. They have to, put, they have to put, give five of the best fucking wrestlers in the world to have them have a four and a quarter match. You know what I'm saying? Like this. And along the way, like you know, there's been goofy stuff like putting the fucking uh, Ever Rise on TV every fucking week with Drake Maverick and Killian Dane and stuff like that. And um. You know, like even the stuff that they even as they had like righted the, the ship the dra- this year,
2: the, the Dragon Lady,
1: yeah. Even as they had righted the ship this year, where, like the only thing they had did that was goofy was like people don't like Loomis, people don't like the lore of the Dragon Lady or whatever else. They took they took both of them off TV uh, for most of this year, and they were good up until what the the, the last the last takeover. And then they had they've had some struggles, but like it took them eight months to like pull their heads out their asses for the most part. Um, so as it all happens, they lose, they lose a war that they knew they were going to lose anyway. And now people are getting punished for losing a war that they set them up to lose and fail in anyway. It's like, I don't understand. And, but from the perspective of, we all know that's happening. We've talked about this. We've, we detailing this at the time. This is going to happen. And, but seeing the, the uh, reaction from like, As I mentioned, like there are sports entertainment fans and then there are wrestling fans. Um, pro wrestling fans, and like the pro wrestling fans want to see more more good products available. They don't want to see NXT try to stunt AEW's growth. So there are people, AEW fans are like, hey man, like I may have liked a I may have liked NXT. I may still like the guys that are there, but like what they doing ain't cool. So like I'm I'm out, and also they started doing goofy shit. Like this isn't, this isn't like the 2018 run or whatever else. So like whatever, I'm, I'm I'm good. Um, so you have that perspective of people looking and like y'all tried to hate and look look at you, hate yep. to see it, right? And then yep. you have the sports entertainment fans that for years have hated in have hated it. NXT because AEW or because NXT has done so many good things, has spotlighted like. In in a way, has spotlighted more than any other any any other act or any other promotion. Like how inept Vince man is as a booker now. Like for him to for for Triple H to consistently bring in talent, consistently push them at a level, consistently get a certain level of match out of these people, consistently set these people up to have these storylines over and over and over and over with a new batch of people every single fucking year like clockwork and then for Viz to fuck up every single incoming class by and large, like, eventually people are going to start saying, hey man, like, if I watch both of these shows, one show is consistently better than the other, this show has the stars, this show does it, they can't make any new stars, this show keeps making new stars every single fucking year, at at the level that is at the level that the show's on, what's going on here? So you have all of that that exposed the fact that NXT or that the main roster was the shits at times, or for a lot of it.
2: And then that that resentment is not even just the fans. Like we later find out, it's from Vince himself. Right? Like he, he wants to fuck Triple H, like and set him up for sabotage, and it's like just to show he's still the man. And I'm like, that's a weird fucking uh, way to run a company, man.
1: Right. And like, like, for that,
2: like, do they know it's a work? Like, right.
1: like. <laughs> and to go from that perspective of like the fan base and people reacting to the news of NXT failing, and all that kind of stuff, and people like swearing that in swearing that Triple H is like the shits as a booker, even though like everybody that like gets booked well, bad, or good, or indifferent, we're all booked better with Triple H, like, booking them, except for like what Roman Reigns, I guess like, like it's it's, it's it's really weird it's really weird like who's doing well in nxt or who's doing well on the main roster that wasn't also doing well in uh on nxt that people don't actually worry nxt because you know there's a bunch of people that like just sidestep that whole process so like braun strowman doesn't really count alexa bliss kind of doesn't count but, like, Finn Balor Finn Balor was treated great in NXT. He's done pretty well. He had a pretty well career on the main roster. Nakamura was treated great in NXT. Done pretty well on the main roster. Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens in NXT, like, was pretty much exactly what he was in his first few years in the main roster, which is the reason why, like, people loved him so much, right? Sami Zayn was treated way better in NXT than on the main roster. Um, McIntyre, about to say, they're both top guys. Put him top guy when the main event had kick ass matches. Had had three and a half star or above matches on the main on the main event. So like
2: revival, Andrade, uh, Ricochet, like all these people, War Machine,
1: Street Profits, like
2: it's like they're handing you like Bianca
1: Belair, like, Rhea Ripley, Charlotte Flair, Oscar, Kyrie Sane.
2: Yeah, it's um. What, what do you make of the, of the pendulum swinging back, Bailey? gargano and champa like because this was like the the real thing of the week oh like, it's gargano and champa were trending this weekend
1: oh it's it's people that like didn't like their feud at the time even though they couldn't say it so they had to stay low and now like in retrospect they're bringing up shit from 2018 this now talk about how how bad it was in retrospect is like that's like the same things you hear when people talk about like people like hate Shawn michaels it's like oh, so this was the hottest shit in 1996. So like you can't say anything. Like is, this this hottest thing in North America aside from Raymond Stereo Junior. So like you can't say anything. And in retrospect, like is like nah, his his style is not enduring. Doesn't last. What a blah 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 It's like oh okay, I I, I see what you're doing. And it's like that that's your opinion. But like you weren't saying that shit where you, where you at the time when it was happening When people would have said you're out of your fucking mind. You're saying it now. It, you're saying it now, like four years removed after someone after both of them have been dropped on their necks repeatedly. Yeah, man. Like, if you want to say one final heartbeat sucked, go at it. If you, but if you want to say the first of uh, three matches that it has sucked, you. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. You're wrong. Like, you're just I, wrong. I don't
2: like. I I believe I've gone on record. I actually been in a book saying this. Shout to Chad Matthews. I was like. The first Gargano and Ciampa match, like you can argue, that was the greatest match in WWE history. If yeah, you, wanted you to. could. I, I think like. it is. Um, after that, like I don't think it was at that level. But
1: right, but we're talking about still the,
2: really great. But the, so. but we're talking
1: about like four and a half star matches. The other two ones, though, Rich. Yeah. How many four and a half star matches have we seen on the main roster in the last five years? I Let's say like four we, years. Let's say four years.
2: I feel like we can count them right How quickly if we decide to try right
1: but you know that he stared at his hands meaning too violent like okay well like do we need to talk about like cope do we need to talk about cope don't do this kobe you're gonna you're gonna murder this guy with with the, with the hammer you're gonna do that like no are we are we gonna t- are we gonna talk about roman reigns trying to murder his cousin and then thinking about it and not thinking about it, are we going to talk about Randy Orton? Say, hey, burning the fiend is too much. Never mind that. You know what? I changed my mind. I'm going back. I'm going to burn him alive again. Are, are we going to talk about that? Like, what? I, like NXT is not allowed to be community theater, but the main roster is allowed to be exclusively community theater. Got it. Gotcha. Makes sense. Perfect. Gotcha. Great. Got, we're on the same on the same page now. Got it.
2: So out of all the releases, it was Bobby Fish... Uh, who, who looked like somebody's grandfather, I ain't going to lie. Um Bronson Reed, this was the headliner. This is the this. biggest
1: head, head scratcher. Um all I can think of is I guess he's not tall. <laughs> <laughs> not tall, don't like the body. Saw him in person, probably Accented. went to shot probably went to shook Vince's hand in in person person and he was shorter than him and he was like, "Oh, nope, can't be a star." Yep.
2: Um Jake Atlas Man,
1: that Jake Atlas
2: Jungle Boy one.
1: Man. I guess now we get to see how over eight A- he'll be in AEW. Like, yeah, I'm sure he'll be as over as the Jungle Boy. Sure. Man. Um, Ari
2: Sterling, who was, fuck, like, the, now the thing is, like, they've hired all these people and changed their name so fast. I'm, like, not remembering.
1: Was he Alex Ooh. Zane?
2: I think that was Alex Zane. Yeah. Raw. Um, Kona Reeves. Beloved within the company, um, if you if you pull up his uh, like pull up his Instagram and check the comments, like other wrestlers love him, like think Whoa. he's a great worker, all that stuff. But well, he was gotta, around I a say, long time. Look, he was around a long
1: time. He's around a long time. So in his relationships or his relationship with people, he was the shits when I watched him. Always was. So like whatever, like then we got um leon
2: ruff um leon ruff just had a had a belt last year or bronson reed also had the north american belt swear watch, watch your back bro don't don't let them fuck with you Um uh, I, I know you won't but um leon ruff uh release also man was like like I saw Leon Ruff long before he came to NXT. Right, mm-hmm. I knew I knew he was exciting. knew he was a good wrestler, all right. that stuff. Right. Then he he got on doing the job stuff. He was in his. He's one of the best jobbers I've ever seen. Like getting murdered and like dropped on his head. Who can forget Swerve kicking him and all time <sighs> gift. Um, <sighs> he'll like. Leon Ruff is not done. He'll, he'll be brown, yeah.
1: Or let me phrase this. He'll be he'll still be he'll go he's not going to lack for bookings.
2: Yeah, he's going to get plenty of work. He like he might clean up like um and there was a ref, Tyler Rust, uh just was in the diamond mine. Uh we you know more of that group did, already. Did
1: you through. hear about the diamond mine uh story? No. So, remember when they were pushing, like, this faction as, like, they were a UFC, or like, they were MMA camp, right? Mm-hmm. So, as they were setting up these promos, or these video packages, and vignettes for them, their original plan was to be, like, exactly what I thought it was going to be. Like, I thought it was going to be, like, people with the back, MMA backgrounds that were in, in um, the PC, like Marina Shafir, like, potentially, Jessamyn Duke, like, Artur Huas. They got rid of Hua's. They got rid of Marina Shafir, and then they sh- they uh, when they launched them, it was um, Hideki Suzuki as like the coach with Roddy, who Roddy, even though he is a, tr- a wrestlers, wrestlers, wrestler, he, a lot of his wrestling can be like just like rolling on the mat if if it need be. So him as as the front guy and Tyler Rust, who's from a dojo, and you know uh, in strong, like being the pin eater. Like, and that's with, with obviously the talker being, um, Malcolm Bivens. So like, that's what they launched with when it could, sh- what it, when it was originally supposed to be that plus who plus Marina Shafir and the women's division to make, make this all work. Like, so they built this thing and he was cool. Ving for months. And then when they finally, they, they kept, they were picking this thing up before they even got the launch. They and then, and, they, and now they made the launch and now they've, they've been, now they're, they have one wrestler. They have one wrestler.
2: That man is the literal one man gang on you niggas. So, yeah, um, Zechariah Smith, uh, Asher Hale, who's
1: Anthony Henry, I believe. Yeah, um, he he's been enhancement talent on NXT lately, but like he's obviously good to the eye. You can tell he's good. Giant Zanjir,
2: one of the Indian giants they got rid of, and then Mercedes Martinez. So, Mercedes Martinez may or may not have been like let go while she was dealing with a concussion or recovering from right. it. Um, David fan thinks she should lawyer up. Um, sucks. Like this. This looks like an age one. Like she's uh, like I talked about when she signed. It was like, well, look about where she's from, how long she's been wrestling. This is a Northeast person. Like, this is one of the WWE dream people, um, along with Jake Atlas. Uh, and it's, like, one lesson. Like, Nick Jackson once said, and I'm not saying this to, uh, to besmirch, like, Mercedes or Jake, but be a mark for yourself, not a company. Uh-huh. And that was, like, one of the most genius things, like, I think I've ever heard Nick Jackson say. And it was just, like... Yo, man. Did like, Nick Jackson
1: say that or did, or did Kevin Nash say that? Because I feel like Kevin Nash said that in a different way like 25 years ago.
2: Um, Like this is a direct quote from Nick Jackson. Okay. But okay. Um, I'm sure that falls under the Kevin Nash thinking. Oh, definitely. People. So. Definitely. But um, in Mercedes case, it's like she's she's been everywhere in the independent scene. Maybe she'll get another look from AEW, but it's like it's not as guaranteed as it was before. So I don't know. Um, I, I think she's like awesome. Always have. So yeah,
1: they, like there is, there's two different Mercedes Martinez in her WWE tenure, right? Or lack of a better word, tenure. like what she's had on tape. Like there is the May young classic Mercedes Martinez. And then there is the Mercedes Martinez. They have had an NXT where they had cast, They have casted her as a tall woman that, that Russell's like a tall, per, like a big person that does big man, big woman offense. And like, that was not what she was when she was in the Mayon classic. She was a technical brawler. Um, and they changed it up. They made her wrestle Like she was like wrestling. Like she was another uh, Rhea, like she was basically supposed to go total, total Rhea and Raquel and basically be a monster as monster. Thing Cause she's pretty tall for the women's division. And I think it failed. I think the music change failed. I think the, the look they gave her failed um i think like the people that she had wrestled with towards the end kind of uh gave way to like what this was like this was a means to an end they actually quote unquote rolled her off tv um as opposed to a lot of people that weren't written off tv like the way she she the people the way, the way she like went out was like okay she i'm not shocked that she's gone uh but it does suck because she's very she's still fucking good and um This is, this is not someone I think is going to be hurting for work, but, like, she's somebody that, like, has shown and proved that she is good enough to be on television um, somewhere, and, like, I don't think this is the end, button. it might be because of age, and it sucks. Yep.
2: Yeah. But, um, yeah, those are... Um, if NXT's dead... Uh, oh, Hickle booked on Dark. Okay. Um. So it's interesting man because like they went through a lot of different you know phases and guys and great stories and then you just start hearing from this this philosophy change and you're like damn and it's like well all things like these eras are changing over like New yep. Japan's er- eras changed over yep um NXT's era is gonna turn to something else It's gonna probably be a little different um but the one consistent is the WWE main roster sucking. So, like y'all <laughs> always had that there for y'all. So, <laughs> so appreciate excellence while you can. Um, but uh, yeah, so we had, and, and uh, I'm not going to go through the whole show uh, today. Uh, we got a loaded one here, but A.W. had another show, another week, another set of million plus viewers. Uh, this is headlined by Malachi Black versus Cody. You um, got the debut of Malachi Black in the ring. He's wearing some type of deer mask or mask with like
1: horns on it or something. Top, no, uh, top half of a skull with deer antlers coming out the top of it yeah I, I've i seen it before because that was the same mask he was gonna wear when he was gonna come back as after that lore stuff he dropped um on Smackdown when he was like planning his comeback like, like that was what he's gonna come down to the ring with when he was um like, after he had attacked uh Big E before they fired him the same week ah oh. yeah like he had showed a pic he had put up he had posted it on his uh I think Twitter it's when I saw it before so and I, I and I think it's quite interesting. That, like he comes down to the ring, looks fucking awesome. It looks like some out of a goddamn comic book, like a front page, like a like a a full page splash of the de- of of himself as he comes down to the ring, and he looks awesome. And this whole presentation, just like yeah, like this, like Triple H knew what to do with that fucking guy. Tony Khan knows what to do with that fucking guy. One only one motherfucker doesn't know what to do with that guy. Only one motherfucker sees fit not to push him at the top of the goddamn card. Vince McMahon. So we continue.
2: Is is, is Aleister Black like the first like, um, or Malachi Black, the first? I mean, I mean, you probably say that with the with FTR too, but this is on a higher level. I think like has worked for these three bookers within like this time period, and like you see this fucking clear because like I don't think it's all come together with Andrade yet, but uh, we'll see when the matches start happening, Uh the real matches. So I'm still holding it out, Um, but work for triple H or for Vince and then Tony Khan, like with Malachi black. Now this mm. is damning. Now that you mentioned it like that,
1: but that's, but that's the thing, right? Like we have like, regardless of what we think about FTR, FTR at the worst should be no worse than on your, on your American professional wrestling program, like your second
2: a, or third heel, tag, a team.
1: really good tag team in your division at worst. They weren't doing none of that in, um, after like the first year in the main roster, Mm-hmm. Triple H saw the fit to make them the fucking champions and put them in, like, every other type of tag team scenario with AOP and DIY and American Alpha, right? Tony Khan gets them, puts them out there to wrestle everybody, have feuds with multiple people, have a huge feud or a few, huge build to build with their top tag team that they have in the company. I, but, you know, Triple hey. H, H doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, <laughs> right? You know, he, he's, he is holding back talent for, and hiding them from yes. Vince McMahon. Yes. That's, that,
2: that, like,
1: that's yeah. what I saw over the weekend. He, he, NXT sucks or stunk because he is hiding talent from Vince to let the, the, Vince get his hands on. No, motherfucker. He picked Lacey Evans over Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley. Yes. You're fucking morons. We talked about this years ago.
2: 2019, we talked about this. Like, Jesus Christ. O&R, always ahead
1: the right, but, but later in the point get back let's get back to uh malachi i almost call it alistair Sorry.
2: yeah malachi black comes out Then cody comes out cody's gear is incredible All
1: white, yeah um
2: with the gold yes um then the match happens like malachi Black's wearing these fight shorts and shit now um i like the trunks but the fight shorts will work um and-
1: it threw me at first, and also like the fact that he's so mu- he's he's put on so much mass as far as muscle that is like he, he looks he looks about the same, but he doesn't look quite the same as he used to be in like the fight truck. Maybe if he puts a design on the back like a logo or whatever else, maybe like because mm-hmm. it looks it looks a bit generic, but like the kick pads, you see the, the detailing on the kick pads. Yeah, like he he still has that touch to him. So we're like, yeah, simple but still like raw.
2: He fucking destroys Cody, and Cody doesn't hit an offensive move. Um, there's, a, like, all these great kicks that he's doing to him. This just just overwhelming him, like, in the corners. Um, hitting him in the chest, like, with the feet. And then, like, the big um, spot where he leaps up the the top ropes and kicks Cody as he's on top. Cody takes this fucking sick bump through the table, and it's just like, oh, shit, like, and he gets back in, catches a black mass or whatever the hell he's gonna call it i i don't I didn't catch it. Did you happen to catch what they're calling it yet? They haven't given him a name yet, okay. He isn't with the fucking black mass, looks around the ring like yep i like I fucking killed this guy, puts the foot on him ultimate warrior style, and pins
1: him and I'm like, "Wow, <laughs> can, can I give you my rundown of the match as I watch it? Sure." Match before the match starts, Cody is looking around and he is one of those like this match for like four minutes, but this is a match that can be broken down and like he should send this off to his students at the at the, at the Nightmare Factory between what him and Alistair or sorry, Malachi did in this match. This was a this was a fantastic four four minute match. Like this is one of the best sub-five minute matches you you'll see. Um He's looking around like he looks like, and the whole story is I'm getting you the fuck out of here because I look in your eyes and I see that you're done. Cody starts his, or it's in the ring once, it's in the ring and he, his face, he looks like a fighter, like an old fighter that's past prime that is like one bad, like that looks like he's about to go down. He's looking around like this might be my last fight or my last big money fight. So they end up off, off to uh, the ropes. Cody's back against the ropes. He hits him with a he hits him with a low kick against his leg, and Cody's selling this masterfully. And like he's all over him. And then Cody fights back in the, as he's in the corner after getting that kick with a with a big forearm, which was shocking because like you know Cody's old Randy Orton over the top punch guy, but he hit him with a forearm. So I'm like okay. So then he he's he's going at him with the kicks. And then, uh, and then, uh, or not going up the kick. He actually yeah, slaps on a um some leg hole. Cody scrambles for the ropes, gets there, gets back up, gets hit with kicks. Cody fights him off, ends up going to the top rope. Alistair Black ends up, you know, like you mentioned, goes up there and hits like a, a, a v tri- uh basically like a climbing V trigger up the ropes, and it sends Cody tumbling off the off the outside middle rope to the the uh, the, the announce table that's on the corner. He fights again and beats the count and Alistair just hands up just like soaking in the moment and then hits him with a black mask. he goes down full of the chest and I was like this was this was excellent wrestling like he took that man apart systematically and then gave him no hope it ended him and took his heart in the span of four minutes I love this fucking match like I gave this match three and a half stars in four minutes and it wasn't like some super high speed match it was just like excellent storytelling and I can't wait to the rematch they eventually have. Um, and the post match is excellent too. So, like after watching, after rewashing and seeing like how they even come to the conclusion of even saying like it's time for him to give up or whatever else, you look at him in the ring before the match starts. He's like he looks like he knows he has nothing left and he's done. And then he and then Alex and then Mal- Malachi displays that he, he's I he's fucking done. I'm taking him out. And then like he's like you know what I'm done. I'm going to hang up the boots. And then Alex and then Malachi comes back with that crush and It's like nah you don't get
2: to quit on me
1: not even even yes you don't get to quit on me but it's like you're not going to steal what happened in this ring to you by trying to spin it in your own way i whoop your ass completely i whooped your ass completely, you will you your will ass completely. they will remember you are not going to turn this into it's time and it's time to bill you, no, you for well no if we've been you for well is because of me sending your ass away post-match like i sent your ass away in the middle of the match. I love this. Alster Black's off to the races. He could be a fucking AEW world champion. Uh you can set him up and fight him and put him in a program with anybody. I I can't wait till he fights Moxie. I can't wait till he goes with Hey Man. I can't wait till he's, till he's in there with Darby. It's gonna be it's gonna be awesome. And Malachi Black is like the same it, and Tommy and Aleister Black is a guy that I always fucking knew I've ever seen him be, except for in the main roster when Man was booking him. <laughs> he's a top-of-the-company guy.
2: This was um this was a demolition, and then you know the promo. There there were some people that took exception with where it was going and all that, but I I would think like out like Malachi coming back and hitting him with the crush, like because in the moment I was like, uh oh, this is going a little too far. Like what what's what happening here? Then he comes back with the crush for thugs and lays him out, and I'm like, all right, you got it,
1: right? Because right. you know they're going to get a rematch.
2: Yep. So like Cody. This man is doing some Hoganism. I was talking to I was talking to Josh about this earlier. I was like, this man, like he earned his strikes, he got pinned Ultimate Warrior style. He can present that as hey, I'm willing to do what's right for business. I'm willing to do jobs. I'm willing to do whatever. Right. And I don't want to take it away from him, but like I'm gonna give you all the game of what's really happening. So it ain't no secret. CM Punk and Daniel Bryan are on their way into this promotion. Who's feeling like an overcooked babyface that's been out in the sun too long? Him, Cody. Oh, he's turning heel. Is what you're saying? No. Okay. No. No. So the fact that he's not turning heel, he cannot stay around. Like you know, and, and yeah. So he's going away. He got, so he's
1: treating this like uh, he's treating this like uh, Hogan when the playoff playoffs will come around on Turner. Yep. Oh God. And oh then, God. And
2: then what happens is. Punk and Bryan come in. They're big fanfare. They can just take those babyface slots, essentially. Yeah. But when it's time for Cody to come back, guess who's a hot babyface? Guess who has, like, who can walk into fighting either one of those people or whoever the heels are? Cody walks right back
1: in fresh. The crowd doesn't – it's sick of him anymore. Maybe. He's, maybe. Maybe. And the reason why I say maybe is because he's left and came back. This is like his – this this is like his third or fourth time leaving and coming back in like the last year and a half.
2: Yeah, but he's coming off a demolition. Like, and this is like true. Uh the retirement tw- uh tease and all that stuff. He he comes back, doesn't interfere with uh, you know, those people. He doesn't have to do a job to them. Um he's already got himself out of anyone putting over anyone for the world title ever. Um so this is just like you know, this man's this is a work like he has discussed this with Arne Anderson. I guarantee you. Wow, Floyd is going to hate me for this segment.
1: But yeah, you turned it. You turn this into some Machiavellian uh, power play when like I was a, I was here like gushing about how awesome this was that it Cody is, did all
2: this. It is awesome that he did all that. But I see, I know wrestling. Like I, I hate to say it like that, but like there are like. All these things are at play. If I don't mention these, right?
1: Okay, fair enough. At least mention that's on play. But the way you laid it out is like, oh, this is for sure happening.
2: Yeah, like, it's like, if I don't mention this and then it plays out like that, I won't have this this audio that I can pull up oh and be my like, God. this is what happened, y'all. The, this is what, like, we are always ahead here on One Nation Radio. So, like, it's so suplex. <laughs> like, that's, that's just a thing we do. So, like, I this is why y'all listen to us, to, to see it from a way you might not be thinking about it.
1: See, like, and that's the thing about, like, um, AEW and stardom about why, like, these are my two favorite promotions going right now is because, like, there's very little cynical Machiavellian bullshit that I have to, like, really think about. Like, when it's the main roster, or even when it's NXT when it comes to cross, like, I I have, you you almost, like, you are, like, not being, you're being unrealistic if you are not at least, like, thinking of the things that are at play with this. Like, I, don't, I rarely do this with uh, with AEW and stardom. I almost never do this with stardom. And you see how much happier I my enjoyment of these promotions are when I don't have to think about this kind of shit, this political bullshit. So thanks, Rich. Thanks.
2: Uh, it's, it's right there, man. Like, like you know, like, I, like, how doesn't it make sense? Like, if you were someone that's been out in the sun too long, you got these people coming in. You have the ability to pull yourself from TV or like because uh, he's going to do the go big show and all that stuff. Like this is like he's he's set this up beautifully to, uh, to, to walk right back in hot and then be able to not turn because he doesn't want to turn for whatever reason.
1: So remember when he dyed his hair for like a week, yes, yes,
2: yes. I remember
1: um, if I were him, I turn, he- I come back and turn heel. Look, he would be smart to turn heel
2: because there are so many baby faces for him to work with
1: at, at the top. Yeah, like, that's what I mean. Like, and, and he I would can turn- easily like he easily go a full year wrestling none but like non or people that are either grooming or people that are tuning up to be like title challengers over the next like eighteen months. Like he could face Heyman, Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, Moxley. Uh, he already did a Kingston, but like uh, Jungle Boy, like. All that stuff is there. All that stuff.
2: Yep. You could even get back on him and Darby.
1: You could, yeah, you could. So. Especially like when you know, like that first promo, like when he came out and Sting big leagued him, like yep. he'd be like, Nah, I refuse. I'm, I'm, I'm back. I'm, I'm a nemesis, you know. Yep, yep.
2: Um. So we had to Guerrera, um, against Chris Jericho and the Labors of Jericho match, and man. First couple of minutes of this match was uh, was not pretty. Um,
1: yeah, that would be rough, spelled R-U-F.
2: Yeah, uh, not Leon. But, um, yeah. yeah, after that, I was fine with it. Uh, I was happy to see Whovie, uh show up. You know, Hoovy's not really a regular wrestler anymore. He's he's had limited work in the last couple of years. But little uh, has lived a long, hard, fast life.
1: And, you, uh, you want to throw out demons,
2: you know. Man, man got them demons. You know they say. So uh, I'm just glad he was here. I didn't think it was a disaster or anything. I was.
1: They they well, wrestled their way towards respectability. Yeah, by the end, yeah,
2: yeah. Like and seeing Chris Jericho and 2 Rare is just fun. Um, and I I liked it. Like you know I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bang on Hoovy and say yeah, bro. Um, you know he he's not fucking azumi right like, <laughs> sorry like i'm you know uh, I, I understand that he's not you know roger strong in the ring right, right now right, so. right. but um yeah Jer- jericho with the fucking top row juice effect was fucking amazing i i um, held like i was dying laughing i was i popped all in one
1: yeah uh I don't really have much to say about this match. Like, I think I have more to. I think I have more of a conversation out of like, what the fuck was Dave Meltzer watching? <laughs> <laughs> Dave, Dave said he loved this. Or Dave said he thought, like, that he thought Hoovy was like better than most of the guys in AEW. And I'm like. No, bro. I'm sorry. He is not better than Scorpio Sky. He is not better than Ethan Page. He is not better than, than Frank Kazarian. He is not better than the Martin Brothers. He is not better than Isaiah Cassidy. He is not like what? What the fuck are you talking about, Dave? He fucked up like the like of of I want to say like what twenty percent of the stuff he tried like the first three minutes of the match.
2: Yeah, yeah. Dave was um, you know them. Like, there were people that were joking that man got the, that review directly from Chris Jericho. Like,
1: so, who knows?
0: Uh,
1: like, he looked like a guy that was rusty. Yeah. Like, because as the match was going on, like, he clearly knew how to, like, babyface fire, play to the crowd, to get the crowd, keep the crowd engaged as he was going through moves or whatever else. And, like, it just looked like, at the beginning, it looked like just bad Lucia. It's all looked like. And then eventually, like, they started, like, to get in rhythm, and then, like, it, they got, like I said, they rushed themselves for his respectability. So, like, if he, if they want to continue to bring him back, if they can keep, like, knock some rust off him, I think he'll still be good. But what I will say is this. Y'all need, y'all need to, y'all need to put some respect on Rey Mysterio Jr.'s name, bro. <laughs> y'all need to put some respect on you ain't never seen Ray that bad. Not ever in fucking life. <laughs> not ever. Ray, no. Ray to this fucking day will still come out here and give you a great match if need be. So, look, obviously, you know, uh, what do they say? Uh, Motion is the lotion or whatever else. and You need to be in the ring and bumping and you know, all that stuff. Like you said, Who hasn't been working a regular date like Ray has over these last years. But let it be known, Ray endured.
2: Yeah, well, you know, after them knee, them knee, uh, you know, that I man went to Germany. You know, we're doing hey,
1: maybe Hoovy needs to go to Germany too.
2: <laughs> you know, hey, you know, Mysterio invest. mentality. You know, you know, invest. You know, I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Hoovy. You know, maybe we can. I want to see them have one last match.
1: I agree. Ray, Ray, Ray and uh, Hoovy. I agree. Um, how long is how long did Ray lock himself up into uh, with WWE? Who knows, bro? Oh God. Who knows? Couldn't have been long. Ray Ray a little too smart to be out here signing on five years.
2: You would think. I don't know. Um, Ray. Ugh, I don't know, man. Like, but have, if Hoovy somehow gets brought back a couple times, you know, I, I can think of a couple people at AEW you can uh, send them out there with. Oh, there's um, a bunch of people. Um, uh, the Hangman, got Whoop Horseman style, um. If this don't tell you all that you need to know about what's happening, because if it, it feels like people aren't either understanding this, they're like, I feel like when you watch what happened, the ass whooping they gave him, the fucking belt shots to the face, the Dark Order intentionally like not saving him, but trying to save him, them holding him back, uh, him him getting hit with the fucking BTE triggers. Like, three of them. This is a man that is going to beat all of their asses one day. Yes! Is, is it not? And it's gonna be
1: fucking glorious!
2: Like, and, and the One Nation Rail victory lap is going to be like, hey man. And it's going to work. Like, it's going to work. Like, he's gonna go away. This is a little write-off or whatever. He's too beat up. Like, the last time we saw somebody take that many BT triggers, they were gone for like a month and a half. John Moxley, right? So um,
1: you think they're not behind? You think the company's not behind John Moxley anymore? Yeah. No one says he's No one says this kind of stupid shit. What is other people that go through the same thing? Yeah.
2: And it's like the, when he comes back and he emerges, he's gonna have his fucking his fucking mask on. He's gonna pull it off, and then he's gonna like clean house, and then probably win the belt after that. After like. A couple more defenses. And it's my um, idea that I would have Hangman. Like, they've already gone too far, so I don't think they can do this. Like, he needed a classic rivalry before the title, I feel like. Uh-huh. But this is the cheat code to get him hot, to leave, and come back. And then, you know, be able to go right to Kenny uh, for the title. And that's pretty much what's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. Like it's obviously not going to be at all out. I think it looks like Kenny and Christian may be that direction if they don't blow title match on one of those first two rampage shows Uh that is at play. Um, But, and even if it's not the full gear cycle, right, which would be, you know, that's always kind of been our end point. Like, Hey, then maybe Kenny can lose about a full gear or whatever, Hangman, like, that's going to be in an arena. I think at this point, the way AEW's momentum is, like, you got to start looking at some type of bigger stadium early next year. Like, and for me, if you're mapping that out, you give Kenny a couple more opponents, Hangman comes back however long it takes or whatever to, you know, he may have some personal stuff going on with, you know, his child being born. Maybe that gives him a month or two or – Even three, like, however long it needs to take or whatever to to line up the timing. Come back, stadium show, first quarter next year. Like, and and go with it there. Like, I think it'll end up working out in the end.
1: Yeah, yeah. They have everybody. They have everybody.
2: (laughs) That's what it comes down to. Right.
1: Like, whenever they're ready to do it, set the course and let it happen and they got everybody
2: it's going to be glorious. Right. Like it's, it's and be- you would not be able
1: to say such a thing had he won and the match would be happening in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Like,
2: and then like with your intros of punk and Brian and he's coming off feeling like a dude with a belt.
1: Right. Like, and, and one thing that also helps him if like now, if he delays and then wins, like he can go and have baby face versus baby face title, title matches. Like, on pay-per-view, right. potentially. Like, which is something we didn't really f- account for. Like, we were talking about CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, but like, yeah, that could happen. Like, at the beginning of 2021, or maybe the, even the end of 2000, I'm sorry, at the end of 2022, or beginning of 2022.
2: Right. Um. Yeah, but that's pretty much all I had for, for AEW stuff. But, so I guess don't, there's only one thing left to do, James. What's What's that? Hit the music!
1: (laughs) Yes, sir. So rich you have finally caught up to uh nights one and two of uh the grand Prix after i gushed about it glowingly for like an hour uh last week what were your thoughts
2: so i saw all of night one and i think i've watched one of the big matches on night two if uh-huh. I'm um really excellent um night that first night and it was like man the i love the pace of the show like it's like I don't know if it's a 20 minute time limit on these matches. 20 minute time limits, yes. So it's like boom, 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 and like you're done with the show in like an hour and a half, maybe. Um, and I, I really liked um, Shuri versus, I think it was Micah.
1: First night or second night? Uh,
2: no, that was the second night. I
1: think. Yeah, Shuri versus Micah was second night. I ended up giving that four and a half.
2: Yeah, Shuri versus Saya. That's what I was thinking. Okay. About. Yeah. Um, as well as, um, I thought Unagi and Tam was actually really fun. Um, they also had a hell of a main event with Momo and Mayu, where it was just like, man, big win for Momo. No mid Mo tonight. <laughs> um, and it was like, well, like, I forget to account that it's tournament G1 style wrestling. So, so anyone like, can lose. Right. I, I somehow didn't calibrate this like into my head. So like a lot of that stuff like um what's her name? Uh Unagi beating Tam. I'm like, oh okay. And then um Azumi getting to win over Shuri. I'm like okay. Right, <laughs> and right. And then um Momo beating Mayu. I'm like okay so it was like they're they immediately like got to the shits off real
1: yeah yeah as
2: far as the upsets
1: yeah so shuri and uh azumi was night three but i, I get what you mean you're talking about the general sentiment yeah um yeah like i said like if you haven't seen it i suggest you go do watch uh night two cause night two is like as good like i think um i think jeremy and zach both thought they'd like or both said they like night two better um I think that I think it comes to um if you watch them separately like without like just back to back I can see you come on with that but like the night just like the the sheer joy of night one and then it the bleeding over to night two the very next night is like it's more the same so it doesn't feel as you know awesome so I see how they came with it but like I think I think the two I think the three best matches I saw were um two of them came from night uh two so I, I get how they came to it and I think night two probably had a better uh undercard uh, so yeah but moving on uh, we're going to talk about uh, the main events from um, August 7th and August 8th uh, the Hulk shows aren't up yet but they've, they had three shows they had a Saturday, Sunday and Monday show the Monday main event isn't up yet so we're just talking about the Saturday and Sunday main event uh, the first match was Shuri the main event of Shuri versus Uzumi. man they're they're just fucking good together. This is a third singles match, and all three of them have been bangers. Um, they're just really good together, and um, these matches are just built around like you have to believe that eighteen year old four foot eleven Azumi can take on this ass kicking UFC fighter, and all three times she is three for three in convincing you and getting you believe. From storytelling, from just sheer excellence as a wrestler, and smoothness, and just sheer. Guts that like she can get, and also the the selling of Shuri that like she can get her on the ropes and she could put her away, and um, they're just great together, and you could tell that Shuri just loves her. <laughs> this is evident.
2: This was a real woman match. You know, we always talk about the real man match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shuri out here giving people real woman matches. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Like the um like the kind of wrestler Azumi is you always wonder
1: if they can fight right <laughs> <laughs> well luckily i already we already know that but it's good to be you know, reminded
2: yeah so it was like man like she really felt like she belonged at that level and it's not a shock we know Azumi's trajectory like where she's going to be even 2 years from now uh uh-huh. like it felt like a glimpse of of like tomorrow, kinda. And it was like Shuri, someone who is at the top of her game is as good as like good as it gets, quite frankly, in stardom. And like I was watching this earlier and I was like, This is like like how the Kenny and Jungle Boy match kinda felt a little bit uh. but it was like
1: less less, you know, goofy stuff in the end, yeah.
2: Yeah, less like you know less anything like as far as like um like not not like with the athletics but like the like seeing where one person is in their career going to get somebody to the top of their game and it was uh-huh. like it was refreshing and then like the end of the match like she just beats her and beats her clean and it was like
1: azumi beat shuri clean yes yeah it beat shuri clean
2: and i was like what <sighs> like i was shocked in a good way so um I think I might have gave that like four and a quarter. I was, I'm like four and a
1: third. I'm, it's, I'm it's, 20. it's, uh, it's four to four and a quarter for me. Yeah, and yeah. it's a 13 minute match, or no, sorry, yeah. 14 minute match.
2: Yeah, so it was like, like anytime Azumi's stepping up in class, I'm always interested in what it looks like,
1: and she always delivers.
2: Yeah, <clears throat> so uh, and Shuri's just like continues the role that she's been on. I'm just more impressed with her every time I see her. It's like just one of my favorite wrestlers.
1: Yeah, um, and I think I think this also told a nice story of, towards the end where it's like <sighs> Shuri they they roll on the floor. Shuri stops it. Eventually, gets back to her pace of like just wanting to kick kick her to death, and then Azumi eventually like through gets her out on the rope or get her out gets her out on the floor and then hits her with a, a suplex and then gets her back in the ring and then like she hitting her with a bunch of stuff and like shuri eventually fights back and then like it turns into big move kick out big move kick out between both of them and then ultimately like shuri goes for the emerald Flosion or Frosion, and um azumi slips out and goes for her uh roll up gets a kick uh, and shuri's ready for it, but like she gets ready for it and she ends up hitting her own like roll up and azumi kicks out of it and now she's like playing azumi's game and then azumi fucks around and like Hits her, with a, hits her with a move and then rolls her up and gets the pin and is like, you shouldn't have played today. She just stayed your game. And like, because Azumi's such a, such a, uh, spectacular, like, smooth force, and like, she, she got, like, even someone like Shuri off her game, which is like, this is why this is special. I'm like, this is her second, uh, Grand Prix match. They wrestled last year and, like, Azumi's 2 0 against her in Grand Prix. Like, she loves putting her over. Um, and I guess we'll talk about people loving to put someone else over in, uh, in the next match we talk about. Um, next match, uh, Tam vs. Tall Um, this this went for uh, thirteen minutes. I think this was the best uh set of action back and forth that they've ever had with each other, as far as like big move, big move, strike for strike, or whatever else. And I think it helped that like Tam is selling uh, the injury that she sustained for, from night two from Konami with the arm getting the penalization and. Like, she had to fight from underneath. And, like, I think a lot of these Kamatani matches, um, or at least with Utami, it's just, like, I was, it's hard for me to buy that, like, she can go blow for blow with Utami or a Shuri unless Shuri does what she does to put it over. Um, with selling that, I think Utami just isn't there yet as a seller. Um, so, like, with Tan, with the arm thing, like, it's actually a, a back-and-forth and ultimately like the story is like Tam had her dead to rights and then she caught her again like the only time that Azumi can ever or sorry Azumi, uh, Talsai can ever beat Tam is by catching her with like a roll up pin or a Rana finish or you know an Arabian, or a springboard Arabian Rana to pull her out over the top in Cinderella tournament but like they're they're saving the moment where like eventually um, Kamatani in a big spot is going to beat Tam and I don't mean just beat, I mean finish her and, um, that's gonna be cool. And they've, they've been setting that up, but like, I just love their interaction and like the selling that Tam did with the arm, the fighting from underneath with the arm and fighting back like Ishi style with a bad arm. Um, like the fact that they were both like trading in. Th- finishing and kicking, getting out of finishes, the reverse Rana that, that, uh, Saya hit on Tam, Tam just, like, just basically ducking under a clothesline or whatever it was and just basically saying, fuck it, I'm grabbing her by the waist and I'm throwing her on her fucking head with a German suplex, like, it was awesome, um, I ended up giving this match four flat and it was, like, a lot of the same from that main event was just, like, damn, like, there's nothing you can, you really want to take out of that match, it's just, like, this is, like, a perfect 14 or 13 minute match, so, uh, what were your thoughts on it?
2: I came across on my twitter today it was like saya kamatani's two-year anniversary of pro wrestling so like
1: yeah uh like, is today the 10th yes yeah her anter- yeah yeah she debuted at the august 10th uh anniversary uh, i was at august 10th uh 2019 cork and hall which is like she's basically one year so this is actually also tommy's um
2: three years three year anniversary yeah so it's like she's been like just been on the way all year, right? Yeah, and
1: all of know, this year, I yeah.
2: I, I love that big strike battle they had where they were just exchanging forearms. Um, Kamatani, uh, as we've discussed, she does like a lot of the pretty wrestling, um, and you know that's right up my alley. Like it's you know real smooth or uh, soft of top. Rope. When she's on, it's smooth. Yeah, yeah, and this was like. Her trying to wrestle like Tam, like it was like Tam's like Tanahashi kinda. And <laughs> Really?
1: You're called Tam is Tanahashi?
2: Like Explain like, this one to me. Where where she kinda had to stand in there, you know, like when oh, okay clap okay. you in the okay. face or something gotcha. like that. Gotcha. So and um I, I only say that for, for those that are listening and may not have seen it. So um I, I I'm pretty much on on the same uh page as you. Like this was like this it, it didn't overstate it's welcome at all um big upset i i wasn't anticipating on Tam losing uh again here so she's 0 and two um and one and two or one and two i must she have beat, she beat it. konami
1: uh in night two okay and i
2: didn't necessarily see this one coming i was like
1: wow especially so, after their mat their white belt match just a couple months ago like or yeah. a few weeks ago um what was that uh is that July fourth? July fourth. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't see it coming, but um
2: yeah. Tam's and Tam may be in trouble because they like Kamatani's on a clear trajectory up. And Tam's like, you know, Tam's on the top of the mountain, but like she's
1: somebody that she's gotta watch out for, like you said. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know when it was, but it might have been around uh Cinderella tournament thinking of like, who do I want Tam to lose the belt to and like for me? My choice would be Kamatani or Starlight Kid. Um, I prefer Starlight Kid because I think Starlight Kid is a, is more advanced as a wrestler than Kamatani, but like the company sees different, at least right now. You know, she uh Kamatani is in the you know, that, that uh foursome of Utami and Kamatani and uh Micah and Hameka of the calling the golden generation. So like, you know, Azumi and Starlight Kid might be on the back burner until three years, until three years from now. Or two and a half years from now. So it is what it is. But like, Kamatani has shown improved in enough big spots this year. Um, ever since they decided, like, or ever since they realized, like, we're going to have to go with her for the red belt match, um, in Boudiccan Hall. Like, so yeah, like, she has shown improved and she has been pretty consistent as a singles performer. Um, I still think that, like, their her selling can be inconsistent and I sometimes don't, don't buy her striking. Um, but whatever. Like, I think that when she's in there with the right person, she can have really, really, really damn good matches. And like this one, this was a, a great match. And they put her in main event in uh, Osaka. Like, so, um, and she delivered and Tam delivered and like, I don't know about these people that talk about, like, they don't like these Tam matches, bro. I don't, I don't, I don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> good luck. <You> know, <laughs> That's a luck uh, to you. you
2: these... know, one wing angel cosmic or one wing cosmic angel member, you know, yeah. I
1: you know, <laughs> Yeah,
2: yeah.
1: That's funny.
2: There's the agenda, you know, to, to align Kenny Omega and Tam Nekano. Yeah. We haven't it, really talked about it on the show.
1: Well, I mean, between, like, multiple times on Twitter, people talk about, like, Tam Nekano and Kenny Omega in their, uh, in, like, the One Wing Cosmic Angels joke from, uh... After Tam won the white belt up until like the agenda that's been that people talking about on on nope. Twitter, to now you saying that Tam is fucking of, is of, like look look I'm I'm just glad that y'all have came to my side to see the division that Tam the is a great fucking wrestler. So I'm just, I'm just glad that y'all are here now. I'm just glad y'all are here. That's funny. Because I was I was in wilderness I was in the wilderness saying this. Keep in mind, like I'm the same person. Like after two matches, like yeah, man, I think John was like the, like one of the ten best wrestlers. Like doing this shit right now, and then like that came to be proven true. I just think that like you know I'm just glad y'all y'all have caught up with division. I'm glad that everything's in line. We're we're perfect. We're everything is perfectly synchronized now. We are we are mo- we are moving in in one in unison.
2: The movement is moving. You said.
1: Okay, damn sad. Oh man, that was great. Uh yeah, yeah man. Um I think this I uh, we'll see what happens with these uh the, the Thursday, or the Saturday through Monday shows the undercards, but
2: When is Takumi joining the tour?
1: She joins late. Her and Hameka both join late. Uh Hameka has been dealing with back problems. She has wrestled other than when she wrestled to put over Kamatani at the beginning of um the Cinderella or the June twelfth show, she hasn't wrestled. Um, much because she has a back issue, so they put her in tournament to give her more time to heal up. Um, and then Takumi because of her knee, um, she's coming in in like the last week of August. So like, those will be the additions that come in, and that Takumi real that Takumi run is gonna be fun, bro. Like the way the way Mike is wrestling. Micah versus Takumi, the way Kamatani's wrestling, Kamatani versus Takumi, the way Azumi has always wrestled, Azumi versus Takumi, the way Tam has always wrestled, uh, Tam versus Takumi, Utami versus Takumi, Shuri versus Takumi, like, it's gonna be a fucking blast, and it's, and like, in that October, or sorry, uh, late August through September stretch, she closes this tournament out, like, oh, it's gonna be fun, man, it's gonna be fun, um, but yeah, uh, I think that's about it, right?
2: yeah that's about it a uh, new match added to dynamite for next week so okay. kenny omega and the Bucks. so the elite the original six-man trio will be facing Dante martin and the side brothers so that should be pretty fun
1: yeah yeah that's gonna be real fun um
2: kenny omega and andrade this saturday uh triple mania yep so i'll be watching Triple mania i always enjoy i will be watching triple mania too um there's also a couple other matches i believe uh The Lucha Bros are in a match with Vikingo. It's like a triple three way match, uh, tag match. Yes. What is Laredo Um, Kid doing? I think Laredo Kid might be his tag team partner, if I'm not mistaken.
1: So uh, wait, wait, wait. Vikingo and Laredo Kid versus Lucha Bros.
2: I believe so. And then like, there's a third team in there. So wow, uh, to get in the way. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) get in the way.
2: uh, So I got the card right here. Oh yeah. All right. So we've got team. There's some team match. Uh, there's Drago, Mr. Iguana, Mamba, and I can't read the other part. Um, Fabio Apache against Deanna Purrazzo. uh The
1: match. Um, I've seen I've seen uh, Diana cut promos on uh, Fabi Apache
2: yeah. on Twitter. Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix against Vikingo and Laredo Kid. And then Taurus and Luchador. So, I don't know what that is. Um,
1: Black Taurus or Taurus?
2: It just says Taurus. Okay. So there's a it looks like a six man. It's like Pagano, Chessman, and, and Murder Clown against Puma King, Sam, Sam Adonis and uh, dimit Azul, Kenny Omega, and Andrade, and then Psycho Clown and Rey Scorpion. in the top match it looks like Mass versus something. What what is Caballera? I don't know if that means career
1: or not. I'll let me find that out real quick. I don't know, but like that that trios match. That's that sounds fun with the one that has uh you said pagano in it so um yeah, yeah. sounds fun
2: so uh hold on <laughs> i need to fucking in english <laughs> oh mass versus hair okay oh, okay yep a psycho clown yeah a psycho clown losing his fucking mask y'all crazy uh uh-huh. <laughs> but uh yeah so Uh, it's not going to be streaming anywhere, but Cubs fan will be showing it on Twitch. I have the link already saved on my bookmarks. So, um, maybe I'll post it inside the one nation radio, uh, part in our discord.
1: If y'all want to check it out. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Well, uh, that's in the show. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate us on whatever app you're using to listen to this with, uh, go to our red circle and drop us off a donation. Um, Go to teas.com slash Social Suplex and picks up, pick up some official Social Suplex podcast network merchandise and listen to other shows on the network. Uh, and, and besides just one Nation Radio, you have Keep It a Strong Style, you have the Rick and Clyde Wrestling show, you have Gorman Wash's shit, you have The Great Consequences Podcast, you have 8-Bit Suplex, you have All Things Elite, and we have Great National. Generator. Thanks for listening, y'all. Later. Peace.